Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 47 of Points of Penalties, the season finale. We'd like to remind you to please subscribe wherever you get your pods and give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Points Penalties. My name is Josh, and with me are my co-hosts, Jesse and Peter. As mentioned last week, Kevin has a healthy scratch today. This week, we're going to give you a little bit of a hybrid show. A little of the format from season one and a little of the format from season two. So sit back, turn up your headphones, and enjoy. With that being said, let's start the show. Jesse, what are you drinking tonight? Tonight, I am having rum and eggnog. Oh, that boy. Yeah. That's festive. Yeah, it has to yeah. decided to finally go fe- festive, and uh, I didn't have spice rum. I usually like it with spice rum, more or less, but I went with Inyeho Havana Club. Seven years, seven years reserve. Yeah, it's still pretty good. And I think I do prefer spice, though, even though the Inyeho is pretty fucking good. But yeah, got my Rams glass because I was excited for a big week of football for the Rams. And then a lot of players missing, but we'll talk about that later. But potent drink I got here. Peter, what kind of bitch ass drink do you have? <laughs> well, Jesse. <laughs> that might I'm glad you said that because you boys are gonna be a little disappointed in me, I think. It's the season finale, man. You gotta come on swinging. <laughs> I, I, I didn't. I, I thought about swinging. it. I had a beer in my hand at the the Newfoundland LCBO, whatever it's called. <laughs> the so it's LCBN. like a, uh, it's whatever <laughs> it's something else. Uh, and it was like seven point something percent, but I put it back because the percent was too high. <laughs> too yeah. high. Too high. Too high. I'm at a point in my life where my beautiful lady is right about ready to pop, so. Uh, I can't really get properly drunk right now because there may be an emergency drive to the hospital happening at any time. Hmm. Right, but I still got that's, some. That's an excuse of some sort. Yeah, that's it's an it's all right one. I still got some decent. I didn't go too bad. It's a 5.3%. So what I ended up with is a Kitty Bitty Mummers Brew Cream nice. Ale. Mummers. Mummers. Kitty Bitty? Kitty Bitty, yeah. It's a... It's a brewery in Newfoundland. It's, a, it's also a place in Newfoundland. That's oh, where man. I am, in case you didn't get that memo. <laughs> what? <laughs> Temporarily. Huh. Uh, so, yeah. Kitty Bitty, Mummer's Brew, Cream Ale. It is a 5.3%. And apparently, it's the official brew of the Mummer's Festival. Hmm. Yeah, so far, decent. What's the Mummer's Festival? I was going to ask the same thing. <laughs> I assume it's a festival where people dress up as mummers, which for the our listeners who don't know, you should Google it because it's going to be hard to explain. But you basically throw on <laughs> blankets and bras and stuff over top of your clothes and you make yourself look extremely goofy and you get what's called an ugly stick, which is, I think, basically... <laughs> Isn't that what you no. hit on the way down from the tree? <laughs> hit it a couple times on the way? <laughs> yeah, no. Totally different. It's a <laughs> broomstick, I think, with a shoe on the bottom. And it gets a bunch of bells and shit on it. And then you play it like a musical instrument. We need a Newfie's guide for all these festivals wow. and yeah. what this means. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not the right one for that. But uh, I'm doing the best I can. Boys. <laughs> so, yeah. Members Brew, Cream Ale. Pretty good so far. Josh, what are you drinking? Oh, I'm staying a little bit more close to home with uh 
Burrata Berry. I got some flying monkeys. It's uh, called Killer Cupcake Panda. It is a double IPA. It's pretty tasty. And uh, beats your, what did you have? Five and 5.3? 5.3, 3, yeah. 5.3. I got 8.3, bud. Ooh. So, you know, you got the bitch beer. Yeah, yeah. Time for that. It's okay. But yeah, this one's got pandas all over the can, you know, because it's killer sort of like panda. Yeah. It's got some sort of fucking panda hops or something. Exotic pandan leaves, which panda, pandan, I don't fucking know. It's good. <laughs> I like it. It's good. What else that I don't know all about, but Jess, I think you do. Something big in the NFL. What's up first off? All right. So we'll talk about what happened around midnight. Uh, Thursday morning, Urban Meyer was let go by the, the Jags. Following a 2-11 and 11 start, and the season was mirrored by controversy and negative headlines constantly on the field and off the field. So, Peter, congratulations. As of right now, you are right on what we call a so-called hot take. As I sent before in our chat, most college coaches first time don't do too hot. <laughs> So it's a lukewarm take. Well, we'll call it a hot take, but. You all still thought he was in great shape with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, 100%. But as I go through here, you'll see, like, how goofy this guy is, (laughs) which we've talked about already a bunch of times. Like, he's he's a bit of a clown, but. And being let go, he was one of the most successful coaches in uh, college history who lost more NFL games in the first four weeks with the Jags, which was four, than he had in any single college season since 2007. Also admitted that processing losing football games is a challenge he has yet to work through. So this is a guy that thinks very highly of himself. Uh, There was a bunch of stuff that he said that he didn't respect a lot of people if they weren't winners because he considered himself a winner and everyone else in the locker room's loser. That's how he ended up losing it, uh, a lot of the locker room. And, yeah, a controversy with the racist uh, O-line coach that he had to let go back in the offseason at some point. I think his name was Chris Doyle. And continuing on, he had benched James Robinson, who was one of their star players, had a decent day today, but lost and lost against uh, Houston Texans, who's not a good uh, team either. So obviously Urban wasn't the one affected this team. This team doesn't have a whole lot of talent. Now, another thing here that happened was Jake's kicker, Josh Lambeau, alleged Meyer kicked him while Lambeau was stretching during a, a preseason practice. Kicked a kicker? He kicked a kicker. <laughs> and he went around saying he can kick whoever he wants, according to Josh Lambeau. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what is the truth here, what isn't, but there's a lot of players saying differently how what he said and then what he has done. And with that intent, the Jags have fired him with just cause, and they are saying they are not intending to pay him for the remaining four years of his contract. 
The organization said that Jaguar's reasons for with, uh, withholding the remaining guarantees are tied to not one specific incident, but rather a, a culmination of instances that Jacksonville officials believe justified in firing. And we already know there's a bunch of articles out there and rumors and I don't know, like there's, we saw the video of him in Ohio too, so. Yeah, there's definitely a case for, for the, uh, for the Jags here, for sure. You know, he's, uh, he hasn't been a saint. That's for fucking sure. Yeah. Well, I'm sure this will get settled elsewhere. I'm sure they're going to have to pay him somewhat of that uh, 4 million, but that's because Urban can afford lawyers and it'll just get settled. I'm sure later. I don't know, man. Seems like there's a lot of cause there. Yeah, but Urban has a lot of money too, so like he's got decent lawyers, so they'll they'll, they'll get some, but they he will, he will definitely won't get the full four year contract. So how do we feel about your hot take being temporarily correct, Pete? <laughs> I feel like I have the world's greatest crystal ball, <laughs> and sometimes I use it to my sometimes, advantage. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, you know, with great great power. With a crystal ball comes great responsibility. Spider-Man told me that, or his uncle, or some shit. (laughs) (laughs) Feeling good. Feeling good about that one. Uh, That's good. So does anybody think he gets hired back to the NFL in the next, let's say, five years? I, I don't think so, man. After this, like, you'll have to go back to, like, a college coach to build up that resume again. I it's like this is going to go down as one of the worst hires for a coach in NFL history. Do you think he goes back to being a college head coach, head coach right away at like division one school? Or do you think he's got to take a hit and go to either head coach at a division two or like a coordinator on division one? I think if he has a chance, if they, someone gives him a chance, he'll be a division one head coach. Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of schools would be, Probably foolish not to take him back as a as their head coach. Mm. Like that's what he is. He's a college football head coach, and yeah. he's a good one. Yeah. The NFL's a different beast. Yep, they chew out those guys and spit them back out. It certainly, certainly does. But that was what I was thinking. Was like, if he's gonna get hired again, he's got it. He's he's gonna have to go down to college, build the resume before anyone asks because this. I don't see him getting anyone offering him money after this. Yeah. Cause it's not like he was being a goof and they were playing great on the field and he was winning, but he was being a goof off the field with his lap dances and such and kicking people. Then that, you know, that's a little different cause teams are like, well, look at the potential, right? If you just reel in his fucking his off, off field <laughs> shit, then, but. Well, it's the same thing as if it was a, a player that had a lot of off field issues, right? Right, but what I'm saying is that he he didn't do great on the yeah. field, right? His teams yeah. didn't do great in the NFL, so it's like, well, fuck him. <laughs> yeah, and that and that's what I mean. It would be good to hear uh, Kev's take on this because I'm sure he's been like, I don't want that cancer in my <laughs> yeah, <or anything> like <laughs> that for sure. Because he's all against that, but yeah, yeah, he's a lot to say there, Urban Meyer. Yeah, I think even if the opposite was true, if he like didn't have any off the field issues any of that shit, but he had a losing record with the Jags and got fired. I think he still might get another chance. Yeah. But because it's both, 
you can't you didn't win and you have all the shenanigans happening i don't think he gets another job this was his chance and he blew it so this is going to go down as a correct forever lukewarm take it was a a hot take it went on the hot take tracker hot what was the last time that hot take tracker was updated there i would prefer not to comment on that (laughs) (laughs) might be a little behind on updating that thing since like mid-season hey we all got day jobs on all right so enough of this goofball we're gonna roll into what happened on monday night big game for my boys, the Rams, uh, they were full of COVID all over the place. They had a lot of players not there. Uh, the missing players were, well, the day of the game, yeah. Jalen Ramsey and Tyler Higby were were missing because they got pissed COVID. Me, pissed me right off. I'm so glad I didn't need him to win my fantasy game because I had Ramsey in. And if I needed him and he was COVID, I'm fucked, right? Zero points. But I ended up winning, so it's good. Did you have him starting? Oh fuck yeah! Because it's because uh, you got to start them like you got to figure out who you're starting on Sunday because yeah. my other yeah. guy goes Sunday, right? So, yeah, most positive too. Bullshit. Yeah. So that's we'll talk about that later with the new COVID protocol guidelines in the NFL. Uh, other players was uh, their other starting running back, Denial uh, Henderson. Their right starting right tackle, Rob Havenstein, and their slot corner. Dante Dion had all been placed on the COVID list. So that's a lot of starters I found. And you can pretty much say that the slot corners are starters now in the NFL, just because everyone plays a lot of nickel now and with three corners. Um, But the Rams ended up winning. And if you watch this game, I thought they pretty much dominated this game. They were very, very good. Minus stupid hands team was garbage. Yep. They had an onside kick. So they ended up winning 30 to 23. I didn't think it was that close. And Stafford definitely put his MVP bid in there with 287 yards and three TDs with no picks. Very efficient. Very good. I think that has a lot to do with McVay's finally running the ball again. But he's doing with uh, Michelle, who. I said at the beginning of the year was a great trade and it's turning out to be awesome. Another big thing in this game was Mr. Andrew Whitworth, who made NFL history becoming the first player to start the game at left tackle at the age 40. Wow. Well, Kev could do that, man. The knees, Kev could do Yeah. The as knees. long as we get him a fucking couple <laughs> braces. He could do just, that for Just sure. shoot his knees up with a bunch of steroids before the <laughs> yeah. game. And he would tell you, fucking right, I could. <laughs> <laughs> well, Andrew Whitworth is like a different man. He's a mountain of man, big guy. And he actually is playing still the one of the better uh, left tackles in the game right now at age 40. But yeah, his knees are getting worn. The wear and tear is rough on him, but... He says he loves when they run block. So that's good to hear. Uh-huh. For sure. I like that. Uh, so we're going to talk about someone else who had a pretty dominant game. And it's Cooper Cup again. He is going for the triple crown, the wide receiver version. So he had 13 catches and 123 yards and the eighth 100-yard game this season uh, for the NFL's leading receiver. 
he's just dominating in this in this league right now. And that statistical success of Cup saw him top 90 receiving yards for the ninth uh, consecutive game, tying him with Hall of Famer Michael Irvin, who did that in 1995, and Odell Beckham, who is on their team now in 2014. For the longest longest such streak in the last 70 seasons, as per NFL research. So this is huge. So does he have a chance to single-handedly own that record? Next game, I yep. guess? Yeah, Tuesday, which was the game was moved to Tuesday. Yeah, he has a chance to do to own it by himself in two days. I so bet he, he blows it. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he's, he's owned the Seahawks, so nah, I don't see it happening. And I think uh, Stafford's going to go for that. He's going to force feed him. So the thing in this game, too, against um, the Cardinals – they uh, triple teamed him a bunch. Like he was, he was getting a lot of catches, like within like ten yards of the line, and then they started running the ball down their throat. The cars decided to completely stop the run by stacking the box, but that left Cup wide open, and he went over the top and did his damage. Sounds like they could use a little more balance instead of oh, let's all go over here. Uh, now they're running. Oh, let's all go over here. Yeah, well, that, that's what I've been asking McVeigh to do all season. <laughs> toddler fucking soccer right yeah, it's falling yeah. or hockey they're or hockey yeah <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy like i mean you know obviously baseball we know how hard it is to to get this triple crown and by the by the looks of things here it's just as difficult to do it uh, as a wide receiver uh version and like he's already he's already destroyed the fucking the receptions. Yeah. Yeah. He, like, and he's but got that, what, three games to go? Well, four. Cause he's got, he's got right, to, four plus that this week is the, yeah. Yeah. So, yes, he leads the NFL in thir- 113 receptions. And then the receiving yards is 1,489 receiving yards and 12 re- receiving touchdowns. And as he zeroes in on the first triple crown since Steve Smith did it in 20, uh, 2005 with the Carolina Panthers. And do we know what the single season just receiving yards record is? Calvin Johnson did that. And it was, um, I can't remember it right now. I think it was like up to close to like 1900 or something like that. Maybe I was going to say 1900 too. Yeah, so he he can he can get that this year too, but he's gonna have an extra game, so yeah. there's gonna be an asterisk, right? Well, I mean, unless he gets it before, like you know, if he lights it up for the next three games, and he he's gonna have to know. put a hell of a couple games together because obviously, with him being the triple or triple crown guy that's gonna try and get it, he's there's gonna be a lot of people trying to defend him to not allow that and play spoiler to that, right? So it's just cool to, to see these these things happen, you know. You, like you look at the, that list there: Jerry Rice, Sterling Sharp, and Steve Smith, like all fucking superstars. Right. So that's like thirty years, and there's only been three. Yeah. So he might get it now. With how passing is now, I don't. I have to say it's hard to get it right now. Like as much as there is tons of passing in this in this game now, everyone can catch. So they're passing to a bunch of people. There's and a lot of targets for sure. 
because there is more passing, there's more DBs on the field and more and more double coverage and everything like that. So this is why I think this is really impressive that he's managing to come close to this at least. So yeah, like you said, Jerry Rice did in 90 in 1990 and Sterling Sharp did in 92 and then Steve Smith in 2005 and Rice did it with a hundred receptions. So like you said, he's already over that 1500 yards or 1502 yards and three TDs. Sharp did it with 108 receptions 1,463 yards and 13 TDs and Smith did it with 103 receptions and then 1,563 receiving yards and 12 TDs. So he's already like right there. And Mm -hmm. this is all week 14 stats. And these, they all, they played in 16 games. So this is their final after 16 games. No, it's impressive for sure. Mm -hmm. I don't like to say it because he's a Ram, but it's impressive. I know. I know. I know we we all throw shit. I do it with freaking hockey. Got to respect, got to respect. So, despite him being a Ram and wanted to talk shit about him, uh, is he the best receiver in the game right now? Statistically, yes. Mm-hmm. I still like Devontae Adam, but I think he has a little bit more speed than Cup, but. Cup can get a lot of yak yards. He's actually pretty hard to tackle. He's done really well at uh, running after the catch. The height is a big thing too, right? Like Cup isn't a big, big guy. So, you know. He's, he's still like, he's not, you're right. He's not like Calvin Johnson or even Devontae Adams, but he's mm-hmm. still really big. And he gets most of his separation via route running. He's got a, he's really, really good at that. And yeah, he's he got absolutely a... is. I remember picking him up off a waiver wire a couple of years ago and he was fucking awesome with shitty Jared Goff. You know, and like now I'm like, fuck, can you imagine if you drafted this motherfucker? Because he wouldn't would wouldn't have been drafted super high this year. Like would have been good, like a high, higher pick, but not super high. And you'd be fucking lighting it up. Damn. Yeah, the the thing is, is the all the fantasy experts were saying to go for Woods. Yeah. Because he was more of a the possession receiver that Stafford likes, but you know, it was cup. Yeah. Two girls, one cup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, so Homer glasses on or not, do you think he gets the triple crown or does he miss out on it? Uh, he's leading the league in targets too. So I, I think he gets it. I think McVay will scheme his way because McVay likes this crap. So does Stafford. And he, he's just got a good, uh, repertoire with with him, so I think I think they get it, but I think they're gonna. The problem that I think they're gonna have trouble with is because he's demolishing it in receiving yards is the touchdowns, the receiving touchdowns, getting him scheming mm-hmm. him open in the red zone. Right, because right now he's literally one catch away, one twenty yard catch away from from taking the lead all time if he finishes number one everything right now but like you said the touchdown who is it mike evans i think is the other guy that's right up there uh fighting for the league lead in in touchdowns so it'll be like you said that's the i think that's going to be the one that's going to be the one that's going to potentially uh you know if, if there's one that one item that hurts him it's going to be the touchdowns as yeah yeah to I, I, I was going to say the exact same thing that's if there's one place he might lose this it's touchdowns 
Good take. Good take. <laughs> Anyways, so Cup's going to get the Triple Crown. I'm going to be super ecstatic. And hopefully that's onward to a Super Bowl this year as well. Just and, then, and then Stafford gets MVP. And all my dreams come true. <laughs> if if Stafford wins MVP and they win the championship, do you buy a Stafford jersey? Yes. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it's got to be a Lions one, though, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not a chance. I know what I'm getting, Jesse, for Christmas. I mean, nice. that was one of the issues with the uh, golf golf when i i was thinking of getting his jersey i'm like i just don't think he's there so i went with ad and that was smart three, move. three years ago so yeah it was definitely a smart move smart move yeah i let bar i let uh, jesse borrow my crystal ball that day <laughs> and i can see talent too <laughs> <laughs> all right uh covid games ones that have been postponed the Browns game versus the Raiders is expected to be pushed a month is is on Monday now, and the Rams game in Seattle is on Tuesday with the Eagles in Washington. So this was after the past five days. So this was on Friday. There are 151 NFL players got caught with being tested for COVID, which was six percent of the league, and the league says most of it was asymptomatic. You said they get caught later. Hi, you cheater. <laughs> you got COVID. <laughs> no field for you. <laughs> no practice. Yeah, there's a huge outbreak, probably to do with the Omicron, and there's a lot of false positives I've heard going around. And with that being said, they decided to change some of the protocols. So the league's previous... Tw- COVID-19 protocols were vaccinated players and staff needed to produce two negative tests separate by 24 hours and be uh, symptom-free to return earlier than the 10-day quarantine period. And then on Thursday, the NFL announced that vaccinated players and staff who are asymptomatic for at least 24 hours can return as soon as the day after their initial positive test from one of the league's three Options outlined in the memo. So the memo was you can get the PCR tests and either get negative. And so there's no 24 hour waiting time during that, or they could do the PCR with the uh, MESA test. And that's again within 24 hours. And as long as you are asymptomatic, you will be fine. So instead of waiting 20, 24 hours, you, you get two tests within those 24 hours. And if you're both come out negative, you are G to G. What in the fuck is a meza test? I think that's the the rapid test. Yeah, I think okay. I have no idea, but I think because uh, obviously the PCR ones aren't the they're the ones that shove right up there. They're the tip of your brain ones, yeah. Yeah, those ones suck. <laughs> but there's more COVID news for the rest of the sports. So, but that was just the main thing. Uh, there's a lot of people complaining on Twitter and every social media across the board that people should uh, forfeit games, but the forfeit games are only for people be, or teams being at the threshold of that vaccination percentage of 75%. They would have to forfeit. That is not the case. So they figured out they'd postpone the games. And I heard that a few Seattle players got COVID and they will not be able to, well, unlikely, they still might be able to play 
for Tuesday. And now they're saying that they got to postpone that because <laughs> the Rams got postponed. But it's the Seahawks. They, they don't have a chance, right? <laughs> you never know. Yeah, no, that's yeah. just me talking shit. They definitely have a chance. <laughs> mathematically Kevin would say any given Sunday. <laughs> that's true, but it's Tuesday when they're playing. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> All right. So our locks. So this new thing where the lower guys are going head to head against us definitely makes us way more interesting. And the only, the only way we even have a chance to come close <laughs> to winning. I don't even think we can win. <laughs> we can come close to Pete. <laughs> yeah. Or you can change whatever happens to me because you can still grab second. Right. right. Yeah. So me, I picked the Chiefs and automatically Kev went with the Chargers. This is a great freaking game. Yeah, it was awesome. Thursday night, a lot of fourth down plays. And a lot of them did not work. It was it was awesome. It was it was good, and it goes against all those analytics that say that you got to go for it on fourth down, everything like that. But they were pretty much true to the word. Both teams did this, and it was a blast to watch. I love seeing fourth down stuff. I don't know why. I I really do. All or nothing, man. Yeah. All so Kelsey drama. had. Pardon. I said it's all the drama. Yeah. You love the drama. Well, I like defense too here and there. And this that's where I want defense to show up, right? Because this, this is a turnover. Like you always love, obviously like to see defensive turnovers and that's the exact same thing. And the big stuffs that happen are, are awesome to watch. Yep. So Kelsey had a career game. He, he had the OT winner, touchdown winner. He just ran into the end zone after catching the ball wide open. The guy fell down. It's awesome. That's what I needed. I got my boo, lock boo, on that. Boo, boo. They win a good uh, 34-28 over the Chargers. And like I said, Kelsey had a career game. He had 191 receiving yards, two TDs. And like I said, both teams struggled with their fourth downs, and that happened a lot in the red zone. So the Chargers went four for seven in the red zone, and the Chiefs went three for six in the red zone. Wild game. I like to see this. I wish they had more of these games. Fuck it was an Kelsey. awesome fucking game. And Kelsey was awesome. My fucking fantasy tight end. Yeah. No, yeah. I was you playing against day. someone. I was <laughs> playing against someone that had him so, and, and it's playoffs. And I pretty much like, well, I'm done. He also had Herbert and Eckler. Ooh, boy, oh, yeah, I had a huge game. So I was like, well, this game is my, my game is over and it's only Thursday. And I haven't even played any players yet. So how did, how did you feel when, Kelsey basically solidified your lock victory, but also crushed your fantasy <laughs> hopes all at the same time. He had crushed it before that with, with what happened with Herbert and everything like that. So I was just hoping for the win. Damn it. I was, <laughs> I was hoping you were devastated. Conflicted. By, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like kind of, but it, it's a free league. So it's, if there was money online, yeah, it might have been a little bit more. It was just it was just a good game to watch. I was late to watching that and seeing I know Yoshi put that thing in there about uh Parman being hit. Or no, he didn't get hit. He got hit by the ground pretty much, but he went uh I don't know what happened. His arms got like frozen in the air or something. Yeah, there was something going on with his brain, man. They, were they had to take take his face mask off. He didn't get hit by a player. He, he no. went and ca- caught the ball and when he landed, he smoked his head and he dropped the ball. So it would have been a touchdown. That was one of the 
uh, fourth down uh, calls, the first of the of the game, and yeah, he was just shaking. His hands were just shaking. He like was crazy. basically like, I don't want to say that he was paralyzed, but he was like put in that in a in a position with his arms kind of cocked out, and he couldn't move them. And, yeah, but you could see he was fingers. Yeah, he could move his fingers, but he was shaking as they took him off the fucking field. Scary shit, man. It was. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, what happened with Shazier. Yeah, yeah. But I don't think he was even moving any of his digits no, or anything like that. He was. Good news is though, what was his name? Pelham or Pelton, something to that effect. Uh, Perham or or something like that. I don't know. No, it was a that we don't know, but he is apparently okay and has has been or will be released from hospital soon. So that's good news. But it was when I first saw it, I'm like, he can't move his fucking arm. You know, they, they kind of panned away and I'm like, I right away. I saw it. Like he was fucked. His arm was all in one spot. And it took a long time it was, it to was get the game restarted too. Yeah. And it was right at the beginning too. Yep. And uh, Bridgewater had something of the same thing. They had to take his face mask off. He got hit today. That was today. Yeah. Yeah. It's always scary when they have to take the face mask off. Cause mm-hmm. then they're worried that something is mangled inside your helmet. Yeah. But big win for me. Needed that. Catch up to Peter a little bit. Boom! And then we go into Peter's lock. He had taken his garbage Titans. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> no. They're pretty good. They just they're they have just a lot of injuries, man. Hopefully, yeah. once everyone shows up to practice and is healthy, they can do something in the playoffs. And they had a chance to take over the number one seed after the Patriots had lost Saturday night. Speeder so the Titans, Josh had the Steelers. Yeah. Josh has the Steelers hat on right now, still supporting boom, them. Boom, yeah, boom. yeah, yeah. And but, but what do the diamonds mean? I was kidding, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly don't even remember what he said. <laughs> Steel scraps and iron and fucking something else. I don't know. The elements or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, like the main yeah. ingredients to steal. And... Okay, all right. See, Josh was paying attention. Had a few <laughs> drinks. So the Titans gave up short real at the end of the game and lose nineteen to three. It was a great tackle. The <laughs> I can't remember. There was a wide receiver from Titans got stuck, and the refs gave a pretty good spot. I thought. And they went and measured. There was a lot of controversy, but there was no chance in how they were overturning it. No, they it said was, that uh, it was. A good they call. said that he was like a, like an inch, but he didn't even like it. It would way, it was way worse on review. There was no chance of him making that first down. The Titans did. Important thing is that the Steelers won. The yeah. Titans Boo. lost for two Boo. reasons: one because Boo. of Peter's team, and two Boo. because he took him as a lock. All so of the boo. Peter. All of the boo. No one's allowed to borrow my crystal ball anymore. All right? <laughs> this guy. <laughs> so the Titans ran all over these guys. And guess who did run over the Titans? Mr. Big Ben himself. First touchdown in three years via rushing. Nice. Huh. Yeah, he just kind of fell over. Yeah, they didn't oh, I, I, it just just came on the highlight as I'm watching up. Yeah, he had two chances at it too. He didn't. <laughs> he came up short the first time and the second time he got it. 
QB the, sneaked it in there, eh? Yeah, <laughs> the Titans did run over the Steelers, 202 yards, including 108 from Dante Foreman. Uh, Tannehill struggled to get rhythm in the passing. He needed 23 completions to get to 153 yards and was sacked four times, including one and a half sacks by Pittsburgh linebacker TJ Watt, giving him 17 and a half on the season. And that is a Pittsburgh franchise record, which hmm. I thought would be a lot higher, to tell you the truth. Maybe not a lot hotter, but like at least like in the twenties, I thought it would be kind of thing. Yeah, with the, the steel curtain defense, and, yeah. and you would have figured they'd be a little higher, but hey, fucking impressive nonetheless. No, it is, and he's he's right in there to that for that defensive player of the year this year. Well, we might get in that. Well, I guess we'll get in that when we come back. So on the year for our locks, Peter's at ten and five. I'm at nine and six. Kev's at six and nine, and Yosh is at seven and eight. Yeah, striking distance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should have came up with a tiebreaker before we started this. It won't matter. It won't matter. I'm staying I mean, in front like, from now it on. It would just be like the same thing as what happened. What did we have a tie on? We had a tie on something, didn't we? I don't know. Can't have ties. No, I'm so I'm ties I'm top pussies. Sudden <laughs> <laughs> I thought we had a tie before for for something along the same lines where you did, but whatever. Yosh, what is happening in the NBA? I'm gonna dribble on over. How do you like that <laughs> one? Dribble it. I feel like we've used that before. Oh, we might have. But it's still good. It's yeah. still you're gonna good. grab it off the glass. Maybe, <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Never know what we're gonna do here. So, Anthony Edwards, you know who this guy is? Yeah. All right, good, good. First overall pick of the 2020 draft. Uh, he's a Minnesota Timberwolves guard slash forward. He is now the seventh player in NBA history to score 2,000 points in his first 100 games at an age 20 or younger. Joining Carmelo, Luca, KD, Kyrie, LeBitch James, and Zion Williamson. Not too shabby. It's a good list. Yeah, not too shabby. Nope. He's been playing pretty well. Uh, obviously, he's only been in the league for a season plus this one. But currently, he is above his career averages um, in all the major uh, categories. So minutes, points, field goal percentage, rebounds, and assists. He's ninth in the league in minutes. He's 18th in the league with 22 uh, points per game. A little lower on some of the others, uh, you know, compared to the rest of these superstars, you know, the KDs, the Stephs, and, and whatnot. But Anthony Edwards is super cocky. I don't know if you guys have seen any of his press conferences, any of his, uh, you know, just anything, anytime he's talking or, or tweeting. You know, I, I remember seeing a, a press conference where one, one player was saying, you know, Anthony Edwards thinks he's the best at everything. You know, he's the best basketball player. He's the best soccer player. He's the best football player. <laughs> and then Anthony Edwards comes back and says, I'm the best at anything that ends in player. <laughs> so this guy has got some confidence. He is a cocky motherfucker. I love it. it. It is fun. It, it is, you know, it's, it's great to see the confidence. He's young. Like I said, young player. He was drafted in 2020. Uh, and was the number one overall. 
But my question to you guys is, do you think he's as good as he thinks he is? No, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but I think, uh, I mean, you can see with the class he's in with uh, players scoring 2,000 points uh, at age 20 or younger with Melo, Luca, KD, Kyrie, Libich, and Zion. Like, he's, he's in good company. Yeah. And he's only 20 years old. He's looking like the real deal. He's not there yet. But, I mean, I think he'll get there. I think he'll be one of the faces of this league for the next, I don't know, 10 years. Uh-huh. And uh, is he as good as you think he is? He is? No, because he thinks he's fucking numero uno. Sounds like. Yeah, he definitely thinks he is, for sure. And and I mean, that's good though. Like, that's good to have that confidence. But you know, we know that he's not. Yeah, sure. everybody else knows. Everyone knows that he's not. Maybe, yeah. maybe his dad. Maybe his dad's like a fucking. Uh, what's the ball guy? Ball. Lavar. Lavar yeah, ball. Lavar ball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure. But yeah, he's. Uh, he looks like he's on the right track to be a fucking superstar in this league. I mean, yeah, he he looks like he's pretty good. Um, yeah, cocky's always good here and there, but the team itself is not even at 500 yet. So he's got a long way to go. Uh, he's in good company, like Peter said. But yeah, I don't think he's as good as he thinks he is. Yeah, for sure. He's I mean, way too young. Yeah, and he is, like you said, he is good, and he's he's going to be, you know, he's an up and up and comer type thing. You know, he's on a shit team. You know, they he's got Carl Anthony Towns, and that's a boot it. There is not much else there uh, to help out the, the Timberwolves. So, you know, yeah, that's, you know, his minutes are ninth in the league at, at 35.9 on average. And that makes sense to a team that doesn't have many other guys. So he's going to get lots of playing time, which is great for his experience uh, and things will, uh, will fall into place there. And hopefully for his, uh, his sake, they can, they can maybe get a, a player or two that can play alongside him in towns and, yeah, it's a problem is trying to get people to come to Minnesota. Minnesota. Well, I mean, they they got A-Rod now as, as a part owner, right? So maybe they can sorry, A-Royd. Sorry, A-Royd, my bad. A-Royd. So Good maybe job. they can together. Yeah, my bad, man. Maybe maybe he can uh convince somebody to come along and Yeah, but you typically it's usually if they don't talk to ownership, it's it's all about the players bringing players to different cities, right? In the NBA. But it's Aroid, man. It's Aroid. Everybody loves Aroid. He's not even part of the sport. <laughs> <laughs> if a baseball guy thinks I'm good, I must be good, right? <laughs> Why am I talking this fool? <laughs> All right, Cleveland Cavaliers. You guys think these uh, this team was going to be half decent this year, or do you think they were pretty much going to be garbage? I thought like bottom of the playoffs bottom of the playoffs eh? okay i thought they were gonna be garbage like not even a fucking sniff of the playoffs uh they had they were gonna be hot garbage too yeah they've won 14 games by 10 or more points this season which is the most in the Eastern conference and it's their most in a season since 2017 2018 which was our favorite labitch or james final season in cleveland the Cavs currently sit third in the E's at 19 and 12. 
How do you guys think that the Cavs are contenders or are they pretenders? I still think they're pretenders. I think I still think they're bottom playoff team. I think they're overperforming right now. They got a bunch of good big men. Yeah. Give them that. Yep. But I don't real think deep, they have... real deep in center. Yeah. Sure. Maybe a trade with the fucking Raptors might be in order. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I don't think I don't think they make say the conference finals. I yeah, can't disagree. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. I, I'll change my aspect to uh, thinking that they are pretenders because, I, like I said, I thought they were going to be hot garbage. But, yeah, bottom bottom playoff team because there's a lot of teams behind them that I think are going to finish in front of them. You got the Bucks, Heat. Whenever the Atlanta Hawks decide to show up, I think they'll, they'll uh, rocket up the standings. I agree on all three of those teams, Jess. I definitely think they'll all finish ahead of the Cavaliers. And they're they're looking, you know, they want to portray that they're contenders, but but I don't think they are. You know, I think uh, I think the the schedule has helped them. I mean, they've kind of an easier schedule to start the year. And they're gonna they're gonna have a little bit of a tougher time. Although, you know, if they win the games that they're supposed to win, they'll make the playoffs at this point. And so that sits with both what you're saying, bottom of the playoffs, but then not too much further from there. Kind of like the Leafs. Leafs can be be top of the playoffs, but they still don't get past the first round, right? (laughs) I mean, if there was a play in in the NHL, I don't think the Leafs would be involved in that, but I do think the Cavaliers will be. Yeah. We're talking basketball. How did we get here? <laughs> <laughs> playoffs. Playoffs. There's always a connection with the playoffs. All right. So moving on. Shadowing for next year. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so moving on. COVID-19, just as Jess said, you know, there are, uh, there are some issues for sure. That's a boo. There are definitely issues uh, in the NBA as there are in the NFL, and we'll soon find out in the NHL. Uh, you know, some teams are playing with seven or eight players, which is pretty fucking difficult to do. The Raptors lost against an eight-player fucking team this week. Yeah. So well, I'm not uh, one of those players is one of the best so yeah. <laughs> in the league. So, but you know that's that's tough for for teams. You know, you're used to having. You know, 12 guys on the bench, well, including your starters, of course. But and you go down to eight, you go down to seven. That's uh, it's not too many rotational guys. And other guys are expected to play different positions and do a little bit more outside what they normally do. And that's uh, that's tough on a team. Um, yeah, that's why we got a W against the Warriors. <laughs> well, we got, yeah, we got Steph. Steph didn't travel for rest is what they said. Uh Draymond was an injury. They said that's why he didn't travel. I didn't hear why they say Wiggins or I think Wiggins traveled but didn't play uh, in Toronto. And he's he's a Toronto kid, so that was kind of crazy and you know probably unfortunate for him. He probably would love to play in Toronto, but but yes, we got a we got a big win against the Warriors. <laughs> because There's no way we were going to get it without that. Yeah, <laughs> those guys messing. Hey, they don't ask how; they ask how many. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. So as Jess had mentioned in the NFL, just NBA. And again, uh, as we're going to uh, 
uh, mentioned a little later about the NHL. The leagues are postponing games. Uh, we saw this last week when the league postponed the Raptors uh, Bulls game on a Thursday. And obviously it has, uh, you know, multiplied and more and more games are being postponed because of COVID and uh, Omicron. And that fucking sucks. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, obviously, you know, players are parts of teams, but uh, you don't often hear about the uh, the bench guy that that has uh, you know tested positive or at least in COVID protocol. But you always hear about the superstars, and that's all we can really relate to. You. So we know that KD, Giannis, Harden, John Morant, Anthony Edwards, aforementioned, uh, Zach Levine, De'Aaron Fox, Evan Mobley from the Cavaliers, there, Jordan Poole from the Warriors, Kyrie Irving, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. <laughs> Trey Young, and then homers uh, for the Raps, Pascal Siakam again with COVID, or at least in protocol, and Delano Banton are all in COVID protocol. So some big names uh, in the COVID protocol situation here. And, uh, you know, it sucks. It sucks because these games, you're expecting to see a game that is going to be top-end guys playing, you know, Giannis versus KD type thing. And one or both are uh, sitting at home they can't play and that uh, it doesn't uh, you know i mean it is what it is but it sucks you know it's not good for it's not good for sports basketball football hockey you know and baseball will be the same same boat if they're playing too so um the only one that seems to be okay is uh i haven't heard much about ufc getting postponed because there's probably no rules against covid in the ufc <laughs> well and there's there's no the big teams there's no big yeah. teams either right so. Didn't, didn't they have like Fight Island or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, don't want to go too much in on COVID because it's, uh, we're going to be repeating it a bunch and everybody knows, hey, it's uh, one of these things that's happening. And hopefully they are just postponing games. That's the big thing. As long as they're postponing and not canceling, then we're still in good shape. We'll still get the seasons in, uh, albeit maybe delayed, but we'll get them in and uh, go from there. Or do it with some G League guys. Well, that's the other thing too, right? If you got to do that, then you got to do that. And hopefully, hopefully you got some half decent G League guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Raptors this week, I just want to talk about Scotty Barnes. He's the first rookie in Raptors history to have 300 plus points and 200 plus rebounds in the first 25 games of his career. And so I just want to know, what are your thoughts on, on your boy, Scotty through the first one third ish of the season? Is he living up to your expectations? Is he past your expectations below? And where do you think he goes from here? Definitely past expectations. Yeah. He's exceeding my expectations for sure. I think me and Peter were both on the Jalen Suggs boat. Yeah. Oh, I was and too. A hundred percent. I was we, too. We are definitely like abandoning that boat right now and jumping on the Scotty Barnes yacht. Like he's, he's dominating. And the only thing I wish that he does more, I want him to shoot more shooting, more points. He is dominating everywhere and he's starting to shoot threes now. And I just want him to continue putting up field goals. That's my biggest thing with him because he's starting to block now. 
his steals are here and there. But the other night, I can't remember which night I texted you guys, but yeah, I was like, he has five fucking blocks. Yeah. yeah. Like he's like he's supposed to be a defensive presence, but I haven't really seen that from him. And like five blocks is like rookie of the year worthy. Oh, he's right in that conversation. Like he's Absolutely. he can gain some ground with Evan Mobley out right now, right? Yeah, for sure. I I love I've been loving Scotty Barnes. His you know, he's he's good at both ends of the floor. Uh, like you said, he's starting to get up and making some more blocks, and you can see the confidence growing in him every game. And he's making good shots, he's making good reads. I'd, I've been loving watching him. It's it's been fresh, it's been nice to see. You know, there's typically when you watch Raptor basketball, it's like, okay, we got these guys for this season. Okay, we got this guy for this season. You know, you get a couple, you get it for a couple of years, you know, but it just seems like every time we get this, this guy who kind of can can maybe transform uh, this franchise and not even necessarily from a young standpoint, just, just in general with his talent, it seems that we always, he either doesn't work out or we move on from him. And you can really see that uh, Scotty Barnes, I don't know. He's could be a fucking, might be a Raptor for life. I don't know, man. I don't know. He's looking fucking good right now. Keep it up. Keep it up, man. Yeah. I mean, hopefully they, that definitely used to be a thing that the Raptors always had to deal with. I hope now that after the championship win and and the culture that Masai has uh, implanted in this team, hopefully that's not the case anymore where superstars don't want to play here. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we'll see when he gets a chance to bounce if he does or not. But Hopefully he doesn't because he's looking really good and there seems to be a bit of a young core with this team that's yep. there to build around. Yeah, for sure. And they're all looking pretty good. None of them are that old. And, you know, who would have thought you'd get some of your most leadership out of a, a non-drafted Freddie Van Vliet? You know, he's been he's been great in all aspects. Yeah, He's been playing a lot of minutes, though. Yeah, I think he's number one in the league in uh, minutes. Look at him. Yeah, I mean, that's good and bad, right? Like, it's a lot of wear and tear. Yeah, and a lot of wear and tear is what I'm looking at. If if they were to somehow sneak into the bottom part of that playoff or play in, and he's played that many many minutes, if, you know, something were to happen here, go further on than expected, can he he last that long? My my bet is probably. (laughs) I mean, they always do. (laughs) I don't think we're going to. Need to worry about that anyway this no. year, no. unless they make some serious moves and and yeah. make something happen here. I think this year is the year to grow. Maybe next year. Maybe next year you try and go for it. I don't. I don't think this is the year. So you don't worry. You play them whatever you need to play them. Try and win some games. Try and build up your young guys and uh, yeah, see if you can build around the young young people, the young core. You still think we we need a center? Is that uh, yep. that's the yep. only the only 100%. main thing? Eh? Yeah. And we it would be nice to have like a full team that's healthy too. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, with COVID, and now you're asking too else, much. Yeah, that's that's a little much. Just come on, a, a center. Be reasonable. Asking that much, <laughs> but but being healthy yeah. just for what the team we have, it just puts it over the edge. Man. Just <laughs> okay, just calm, yeah. just calm your tits. Okay? Just 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 <laughs> trying to understand this logic. Here. 
Well, guys, that's pretty much all I got for uh, basketball this week, but we're going to talk about it in just a couple seconds here. This week's MVP, as we alluded to in our previous episode, and should be a surprise to no one, Mr. Steph Curry, for setting the all-time NBA record for three-pointers made, passing Ray Allen. Boo, Ray Allen, Boston, boo. Good player. I actually liked him as a player, though. Yeah, so did I, man. But Boston, but Boston. I know. (laughs) Just think about him when he was on Miami, man. It was good times when he was on Miami, right? Exactly. He seared into my brain in Boston. Anyway, so Curry hit his 2,974th three-pointer on Tuesday night versus the next Andrew Riggins, Canadian boy, with the assist on the historic three-pointer. Uh, Curry now has 2,982 and counting. Who's to say where he might actually end up? Yeah, He's definitely sure. going to start with a three. He's not going to get to four. You think That's, a four? No, I'd say oh. he won't, won't make a four. No. No way. That's crazy. Starting with the three. That's all I got. So his career three-point percent is 43.1, which is seventh best all time, and higher than the next 166 players on the all-time three-point list. So there are some better percentage shooters out there, but they didn't shoot a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the consistency. He's got the touch. He's got the accuracy. Best three-point shooter of all time, for sure. Maybe the best shooter of all time, period. Yep. Draymond Green has assisted more Curry three-pointers than anyone else with 480. Andre Iguodala is at 169. And then Kevin Durant, 153. And Thompson at 129. I saw a stat with the, in, in regards to the assists, and he has, for argument's sake, I think it was... I want to say it was 1,300, 1,300 assisted three-pointers, and it was like 1,100 unassisted. Now, I know that those numbers don't add up to the 29, <laughs> but it was they were almost even as boy was. Yeah. <laughs> I could pull up a screenshot, but it was basically they were pretty well even within a couple hundred of each other, you know, just saying that Steph is his almost, you know, his second-best assist man is himself. Yeah, he just loves the fucking pull-up tray. Yeah, yeah. He almost got that on the Monday night too. I said he was gonna get it. I think he was. I can't remember how many, but eight or nine away, and he he just missed it. And coming into this game, he only needed one, which obviously he was gonna get. But he almost got me. Challenge. Challenge. I think he needed more than one. Yeah, he needed two. He needed one to tie, two to win. That's what I, I mean, remember. Okay. I I was thinking like, okay, fair enough. It's still setting the record at, at that too, right? This on the second one it set the record. Yeah. The but, second one that you but you're still yeah, you're 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 still up there with the record, but that's what I was going with. All right, whatever. Fine. I'll I'll t- I did the dumb challenge then, I guess. <laughs> I'm confused. Okay, so I got the assist thing. I got the assist. I was just dumb. You shouldn't challenge me. It was 1,843. <laughs> <laughs> no, so he's had 1,843 assisted three-pointers and 1,134 assist, unassisted three-pointers. So they're, they're pretty close. They're it's pretty still close. a lot. 
It's definitely more assisted, but it's still yeah. close. Yeah, for sure. So lot. He's pretty awesome. My choice for MVP. They gonna win the championship this this year, boys. I'm telling you. I mean, as long as COVID doesn't get in the way. Yeah. Well, they got Clay Thompson and James Wiseman coming back early January. That's uh, that's big, man. That's big. Sticking to my t- my hot take. Once Clay comes back, the team's gonna do worse. No, man, not a chance. Because sports. <laughs> so the way things work, maybe yeah. kind of, sort of. No particular reason at all. Just because that's the way it's gonna be. Chris Ball doing so. So. He's got a few years left in his career. Curry does. Three to five years or so. Who knows? Once he's said and done, and he's got a number that starts with a three for all time as uh, three pointers made, will that record ever be touched, do you think? I mean, there's a lot of shooters out there now. Yeah, there definitely is. And the game is trending that way. Yeah. Yeah. So it would, it's hard to say, maybe not never, but. I think this will be untouchable for a long time. I think this is a combination of great shooting and longevity throughout the game. And to get that combination is going to be tough for the next guy. But one day, I think, I think it'll stand for, I don't know, 25 years. Like it's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty higher end for on length record to, uh, to see go down. Yeah, I definitely don't think it's going to last forever. But there's probably some some kids out there today that are seeing the way Curry plays, and they're modeling their game after that. Mm-hmm. And they're, for whatever reason, going to be that little bit more athletic or that little bit better of a shooter than even Curry. And Curry is the best. But once you change the game, people want to replicate that. I think I think you're probably right in probably the next generation. Mm-hmm. The kids that are watching now, somebody will probably come along and and beat that record, but it'll stick around for a long time. And I still think Harden ends up in second. Passing Allen would have been number one. Sucks to be you. Sucks to live at the same time as Steph Curry. Unless you're just on the sidelines watching that. It's fucking great. <laughs> yeah. So, the best three-point shooter of all time. So far, Steph Curry, cheers to you, our MVP. Cheers, Steph. A little Canadian connection on the final MVP. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Jesse can't really crack anything. He's fucking drinking <laughs> creamy eggnog. <laughs> it's a meal on itself. I didn't eat dinner, so I'm feeling great. Yeah, that's plan. That's good plan. Smart, mm-hmm. smart. Well, why don't we skate on into the NHL? Well, I like what you did there. Ooh. Uh, so, like we talked about in the NBA and in the NFL, COVID is front and center. So, COVID cases have forced the NHL to shut down the Flames, the Avalanche, the Red Wings, and the Panthers through Christmas so far. And also, earlier today, just before we got on the show, uh, the NHL and NHLPA released a statement that they have agreed to postpone all cross-border games at least until the Christmas break. So any games where a United States team is coming to Canada or vice versa have all been postponed until at least Christmas. Uh, and the break is not huge over Christmas. I think they get like a week off or something. And I guess they'll reevaluate 
the situation at that point. So there have been a shit ton of games postponed otherwise, uh, just because of high COVID cases. A lot to do with these teams. The leagues had a couple games postponed. Cases are high right now going through the league, and it's wreaking havoc a little bit. Which leads me to ask, do you think that putting the season on pause overall at this point would be the right thing to do? Or do you agree with the approach they're taking of sort of tackling this sort of case-by-case, team-by-team, situation-by-situation? A player had uh, had said this, right? They wanted to, to postpone the whole thing until after Christmas type thing. Is that kind of what started this uh, conversation point? Yeah, 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 yeah. The name escapes me. Hang on. You know, Memento. I mean – no, I think case by case is the way you have to go. You can't, if you constantly are shutting things down, nothing will get finished in terms of sports uh, from, you know, I mean, obviously a real life economical standpoint, if you keep shutting things down, the economics will fail uh, at some point. So no, I think they need to do case by case, shut down a team here or there, postpone games. There's always a chance to play it later. You know, maybe at that point, at the you know kind of the end of the season for whatever reason you still can't play those those games then maybe the team that was uh you know more covid friendly uh you know and and didn't uh test as many positive would win a game maybe you end up getting uh, forfeits at the end but I, i don't think it would ever come to that I think if they're going to just postpone, they will play them. And, and that's the way you got to do it. I don't think pausing the whole thing is going to be good for anybody from any other standpoint. You got to keep the economics rolling. Yeah. I mean, like you mentioned the economics, but I don't know if that is that significant of an impact because like we're talking about a pause that would, I think it does. It was losing money. It's a pause. So you're going to, Every game that you're gonna play, you're gonna play even if Eventually. you pause it or not. Right, yeah. but you got to reschedule, and that costs money, right? You got it. You got it rented out for a specific event that's happening. Then you got to reschedule it, find new time. That that all costs money. I don't think that costs a significant amount of money. There is cost there for I sure. Everyone, I think with all the costs that people are, are have planned to work and and then not work and stuff like that, it can cause a bit of issue with uh, labor. Plus renting out the, whatever the, if it's renting out there or not. Mm-hmm. I mean, the vast majority, if not all the teams are, probably not all of them, but the vast all, majority of teams are primary. Yeah, they're, they're the primary tenant in the building. So they, whether they own it or not, they have sort of free reign over when they want to use it as long as there isn't a fucking Justin Bieber concert that night. <laughs> yeah, but he's paying rent. Exactly. <laughs> But you're not going to ask him to move. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but you just schedule around that. Anyway, I, I'm sort of playing devil's advocate here. I agree that it's not, I don't think the calls for the season to be put on pause yet, especially with all the players being vaccinated, except for one, which, by the way, quick sidebar. So a hilarious chirp. Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi was on the ice. I forget who the other guy was chirping him, but his chirp was just, go get vaccinated, man. Go get fucking vaccinated. <laughs> that's that's the chirp now to Tyler Bertuzzi. <laughs> you can say whatever oh, shit he wants. Talk you're, fucking... you're gonna give me COVID. Get away. <laughs> Go get vaccinated. But yeah, so I I agree with you guys that they 
I think the approach they're taking is is probably the right one, at least for now. Uh, while Omicron seems to wreak its havoc across this league and all the others and all the rest of our lives somewhat. Uh-huh. Taking a case by case and hoping for the best because they'll be able to reschedule these games. It's just a matter of if it means extending the end of the season. Oh, well. So, yeah. I agree. Pausing is probably not the best right now, but I can certainly see why it would be on the table with the cases the way they are. You just pause for a week or two, let everyone get uh, fully asymptomatic and negative, and then carry on. But who's to say that they won't just go catch it while it's on pause anyway? Well, and that's a disadvantage to the teams that are healthy too, right? Like, I know for now. For now, yeah. like you could show up like the day of the game and test positive then, right? So it's yeah. it's all yeah. over the place. It's tough to figure out. Plus, there are false positives too, and a lot of these guys are asymptomatic for the most part. Yep. So it's it. I get I get what they're saying. They're trying to limit the Omicron mutation, allowing it to go across every other person. But I'm really sick of COVID. Yeah, you, you, and the rest of the world. <laughs> just, just, just play through it. That's a, that's a, at this point. Like, unless you're like really, really suffering, like I don't know. I don't. I don't know what else to do. I I think there's lots of money being lost because they're uh, they're they're down to fifty percent capacity of certain locations, right? So, yeah, there's there's money being lost right there. For sure. that's a that's a ton of money being lost. But maybe that's an argument for pausing the season. Like the NHL is a gate-driven league, so butts and seats in the arena is the main driver of the economics of the NHL. And if because of the way cases are right now, you can only half fill or not fill at all. I think the Habs played a game empty. That's terrible economics. At the same time, though, we've been in this for two almost two years now, and it there's really not a get almost right there there there's not a real sight net or end end game here so yeah. do you do you plow forward with everything or do you do you actually like sit everything on pause and hope that you can fill those seats once this shit is cleared yeah or at least uh dies down anyway we don't know six no, we're not six way of coming <laughs> <laughs> So one more question before we move off of this wonderful, uh, happy subject is uh, what do you guys think this will impact the NHL players going to the Olympics? I think it's huge. I don't necessarily think it's going to change uh, a player's mind. I think it's going to change the league's mind. I think the NHL is going to say, we've pulled out, we've decided we changed our mind, pulling out, and we're not going to allow our players to go because of the potential lost revenue when, when they all get sick because they're flying. And, uh, you know, it, I, I could see them thinking it's almost inevitable that these superstar players are going to uh, contract COVID, which is going to, in the long run, uh, you know, force them to stay in China for longer than they want to. And, and then subsequently it's going to hurt the teams, which is going to hurt their chances of winning. And again, uh, you know, as we had mentioned, the economics, you know, yeah. You're not going to put as many seats, uh, butts in seats if uh, Matthews isn't playing or Connor's not playing because he's got COVID or at least in protocol. I mean, 
He will because it's Toronto and Edmonton, and he's going to. I'm using that as an example, man. Point taken, regardless. (laughs) (laughs) But so I don't think that the NHL can actually do that without the players' buy-in. I think, uh, I think it's part of the CBA that the players have the choice. If they want to go to the Olympics, they go to the Olympics. The NHL can't stop them. But I think with everything that's going on and with the restrictions that we've heard from, uh, I guess, the IOC and the Chinese government, whatever, staying three to five weeks if you test positive in China, I think everything is going downhill here for uh, NHL player participation in these Olympics, which is fucking shit. Because I love the Olympics. And I'm pretty sure you guys do too. Yeah, yeah. When it's best on best. When it's not, I'm not even going to watch, probably. Also, probably watch it. Just it's the Olympics. This is tough for uh, Ovi because he, he loves playing for his country and everything like that. But if he's going to miss out games that he needs to get that uh, those goals yeah. for to beat yeah. Gretzky, like that, that, that's a tough decision for him, I think, coming if this happens. Yeah. But it, it sounds like things may be leaning now towards the NHLPA basically deciding that players aren't going to go. No players. That's some uh, underhanding deals going on there, it sounds like, at that point. Not really. It's just they're, it's, it's all based on what the players want. So the players have, up until basically this point, wanted to go to the Olympics. Right. The NHL doesn't want that because it's just a chance of injuries and they don't get any revenue out of it. COVID cases and but players stuck yeah, over there. The play, yeah, and the players are now starting to get worried about it, and they might change their whole tune here and not go. Hopefully, that doesn't happen. Hopefully, Omicron can fuck right off and cases skyrocket downwards. Skyrocket's not the right word, but whatever. You know what I mean. Pre-fall downwards. Skyfall, pre-fall, yeah. <laughs> and they can go and we can see some best on best hockey. See the States losing a crushing defeat to Canada in the gold medal game. But would you rather so you'd rather them lose to the States? I don't know. I think I think I would like win. Well, like okay, so you're right. Sorry, win, but like them play them, uh US or or Russia. Probably the States. I mean the States, I think objectively are probably a better team in this Olympics if all the best players go. Mm. I'd like to beat the best. The best of the rest. It's always good to beat the dirty Ruskies, though. Yeah, that's what I'm that, about. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Anyway, let's move on from this depressing subject. On to a quitter. <laughs> so Paul Maurice has resigned as the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets. Dave Lowry will take over as the interim coach. And his son, Adam Lowry, plays forward for the team. So that's kind of cool. It's fixed. Cheating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we've uh, we've seen a father-son coach and player duo in the NHL before. Challenge. I think we have. <laughs> All right. I have no fucking idea. Jess, Jess, you're going to have a hell of a time minding this. (laughs) Head coach and NHL player at the same time, same team. Okay. uh, Fine, sure. Anyway, maybe it's happened. I don't fucking know. (laughs) I hope it has. I hope it has. But anyway, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see. It's like minor hockey. It's like peewee when your dad's your coach. 
but in the NHL. <laughs> I'm going to beat you when we get home, son. <laughs> you should have scored that goal. <laughs> he's getting more playing time because he's his fucking yeah. coach's son. This is bullshit. Uh, so back to Paul Maurice. It is extremely rare for a head coach to resign from their role and not be fired. And I think generally, whenever it does happen, it's more of a they were allowed to resign, but they're still getting fired. This is not that. This is Paul Maurice deciding to resign. He did a press conference and he said that he felt the team needed a different voice. At that point, he was the second longest tenured coach in the NHL behind John Cooper in Tampa. And Maurice started coaching at a very young age. He was, I think he was in his 20s. So at age 43, he became the youngest coach in NHL history to coach a thousand games, reaching that milestone in November of 2010. So that was over 11 years ago. He was already at a thousand games at age 43. So I think from what I've heard him say and gleaned from this, I think he is basically, he's exhausted with coaching right now, I think. And he just needs to step away from the game for a bit, take a break, a few years off maybe. And then you'll probably see him back again. Because 43 really is, or sorry, not 43 now, he's 54 now. Uh, but that's still fairly young for an NHL coach. I think guys coach into their 70s sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I think he'll be back. I think he's going to take a few years away from the game. And uh, we'll see him back in a bit. And he's definitely not going to coach the uh, Montreal Canadiens, at least not right away. <laughs> fake meme. Fake meme. <laughs> yeah. Josh found some fake news that uh, he was hired as the head coach of the Canadiens and Ducharme was smoked. That's <laughs> not true. Yeah. So Paul Maurice is a quitter. What do you guys think yeah, about that? I don't know. It's crazy, man. Like like you said, like you don't, you don't resign, you know, when you have one of these jobs. like. I mean, I guess, I guess this is kind of a case of, I guess, mental health, if, you know, if you want to say that from what you had kind of just said there. So I, I, I mean, not that it's not acceptable, but you, you know, like you can kind of see now, as opposed to uh, 10 or 15 years ago, this would be a little bit more acceptable, but I, and I guess if that's the case, then, then, uh, then, you know, maybe he's did do what uh, is right for himself and what he thinks is right for the team. It's just wild. I wouldn't have expected it at all. Yeah. Like I, I call him a quitter sort of tongue in cheek. Um, Cause the, the majority of the reaction to this has been a great deal of respect for Paul Maurice and choosing to resign um, as he did. So yeah, he's very odd to see a coach resign, especially mid season. Apparently this was talked about in the summer uh, with the management in Winnipeg. They decided to try and go forward into this year. And I guess uh, at this point, he decided it was enough. Hmm. So we'll, we'll see what Dave Lowry can do. I suppose we will. Jess, I don't know if you found anything, but I have. What did you find? Challenge. I found that in 19, let me just double check here. Uh, in 1992, Bill Deneen, coach of the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, coached over his son, Kevin Deneen, in 1992. Well, there you go. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Only 29 more to go to get into first. <laughs> <laughs> hey, go fuck yourself, Pete Bye. 
I was looking at the Sutters, and the most I found was like uh, Daryl was like the GM or something like that, and then Brent was yeah. the coach, and then Brett was his the son or underneath that kind of thing like that. Anyways, didn't end up it didn't end up being the the head coach and the son in that case, but well, it was all three of them were in the same organization or something. Or something that's that's like pretty that. cool too. So anyway, yeah, Josh, Josh plus one. Yeah, yeah, I already wrote it down. Settle uh, down. Pete minus one. What yeah, was the yeah, first yeah. challenge we had? Uh, how many threes Curry needed to break the record? Yeah, going into the game. I should have uh, yeah. rephrased. It was a cheap one, yeah. It was a cheap one for sure. Whatever, dude. We'll give it to Pete. He lost one, so not yeah, a deal. yeah. Boys and listeners out there, I hate to break this to everyone. I think the uh, final standings of the points are already set in stone. What? I got a massive what all that shit talk. On, what is all that shit talk you've been doing for the last couple of weeks? It's pure, pure trash. Pure trash talk. Just trying to get in my mind. Yes. Yeah. The mental oh, game. Hoping you would uh, say all some kinds of stupid shit in the NFL, but uh, didn't happen. Didn't happen. I mean, you're not going to beat me in the NFL. The NHL, I for I sure. I, I, I give you that. That's why. I, but I don't know what I'm talking about most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. So TSN Overdrive did the top five biggest shocks of the NHL season so far. Those guys should have us on the show. They blow up on fucking TSN. Probably. We'll start lobbying up for it. That's right. All your listeners out there, start uh, adding Def- Overdrive. make that show way better if we were on it. <laughs> for sure. Just in the comments, PNP. Get them on there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm going to go from uh, five to one here. So number five, the Montreal Canadiens, the worst start in franchise history after reaching the cup final. Yeah, yeah. Number four, Nazem Kadri, fourth in the NHL in points right now. Did not see that coming. Number three, Alexander Ovechkin leading the NHL in points at age 36. Yeah. We thought it'd be good. We didn't think he'd be that good. Number two, the Anaheim Ducks leading the Pacific Division, having themselves a great year with the young core they have and the old veterans they have. Shout out to Getzlaff. And the Michigan play. And, and the, the new Michigan, which we'll get into in a moment, happened again in a uh, WHL game last night. And Jack Campbell, number one on the Vesna caliber season he's having. He knew he was good coming off last year. But did not think he'd be this good. I mean, the Leafs having a decent goalie? No, no, no. A great goalie. <laughs> Vezina caliber. <laughs> he may be getting a little bit too much work right now, but Mrazic is back. Hopefully that'll even itself out. So, yeah, I guess uh, just uh, on the point you said, Jesse, about the Michigan play that Zegers did with Sonny Milano, um, the exact same play happened in the WHL last night. I forget the teams that it was, but I just saw the highlight. And uh, it's identical. The play is identical. Behind the net, fake the Michigan, flick it over the top, and bat it in out of the air. So it's a thing now, just like that. It's a thing. <laughs> I don't know what it's called. If it's the Zegras or the Milano or the Zolano. I don't know, but it's a thing. Maybe it's the Wolverine. 
I mean, that doesn't really make sense. I get the I get the reference because it's a fake Michigan, Michigan Wolverines, whatever. But they didn't actually do the Michigan. They just anyway. Just so, calm down, Pete. Stop getting, just, stop getting angry. I'll calm myself down a bit. I'm <laughs> furious. I lost that challenge. I'm furious. <laughs> and that that uh, it's not called like anything called like that for hockey. You know, Ohio State, right, Pete? Oh, uh, uh, Ohio State sucks, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Do they even have a hockey team? <laughs> they have a ladies hockey probably. team for sure. <laughs> probably. They probably do. Play in the cornfields or whatever. <laughs> All right. So on these five biggest shocks, Vesna caliber season from Jack Campbell surprises me a little bit, but nothing uh, crazy because he had a fucking phenomenal year last year. Uh, he had a, a huge spurt of win streaks. And I thought he was great. You know, I didn't wasn't hundred percent sold on him coming into the year, but I am now. So this one isn't huge for me. The Ducks, yeah, meh. It's 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 <laughs> it's still early all, on too. Yeah, and because they're a West, it doesn't hit it doesn't hit uh, home yeah, as, sure. as hard. It's still great. The OV leading the points. This doesn't it doesn't surprise me at all. This guy is always a threat to be in the top. Uh, points every single year he scores so often so this one doesn't uh doesn't strike me as odd at all Kadri a little bit does because it's Kadri. that's um, the one that gets me is like you know, wow surprise he's got so many points, points and not so many suspension games or whatever, right? <laughs> i mean yeah this is before suspension yeah that's so that's pretty crazy uh, so for me, the biggest ones, I guess, I guess it must be Kadri because I definitely figured that the Canadians were going to be brutal after last year. We knew that they weren't the team that they were <laughs> last yeah. year. They they definitely played over their abilities, and but they've been brutal. It's the worst start in franchise history. They have the worst goal differential in franchise history, at least at this point in the season, or something like that. Yeah, I mean, you, you lose Carey Price for a, a chunk. You have the whole fiasco uh, with what was the the uh, Aho? What was the his, his jersey <laughs> number? And, yeah, the, uh, the, who was the, the player uh, there? Kakinyami. Oh, Kakinyami. That's right. So yeah. you got that whole fiasco. <laughs> like they just, I don't know. I I just didn't think that they had a chance to be where they were last year. So. You know, maybe the worst start in franchise history is a little surprising, but the fact that they're fucking shit doesn't surprise me. Yeah, for sure. Do you think anything's missing off that list? Nope. No, not really. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. maybe, maybe that at this point you see two Oilers at the top of the uh, at the top of the scoring leaderboard. Like, maybe that's a surprise, but not really. Not really. Yeah, you not know? really. Um, a couple of things are surprising for me. The two kids in Detroit, Lucas Raymond and uh, oh, the defenseman's name skips my mind. Hang on, hang on. They're a defenseman, he's a rookie. Fuck, if we knew this, yes, we could challenge him. We're like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> you got to have this ready, Peter. Like, yeah. come on, come on, man. What are you, an amateur? Probably. I, mean, I know We're it's fucking in the broad. This is the 47th episode, it's, season it's, finale. You gotta I bring don't it. have two screens today. All right, I'm handicapped. <laughs> uh, Moritz Cider is his name. 
Moritz Sider. He is a very good defenseman with the Detroit Red Wings. And uh, him and Raymond are probably uh, one and two in contention for Rookie of the Year this year. And they're on the same team. Huh. And, of course, they're in the Atlantic Division. So why not have another uh, up-and-coming team in the Atlantic? I mean, Detroit's lost for a lot of years, so it makes sense that they'll eventually turn it around, kind of like Edmonton, right? Yeah. You, know, you get all those picks, eventually you're going to at least start turning around a little bit. I yeah. mean, Edmonton had a bunch of times to turn around. Oh, I know. But they fucked it up with, like, Yakupov. <laughs> you know, like, they didn't make some great picks. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Yakupov yeah. was a real bad one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in their defense, everybody thought he should be the number one pick that year. Or at least it was the consensus number one pick. But, it's yeah, like an bad Canadian, pick. bro. <laughs> trying to sound like Don Cherry. Who went number two that year? Do we know? I, I don't know where remember. That guy is. I don't remember. I'm going to Google that sure I know. Go for it. Might as well. I'm going to say Aaron Eckblad, but that's a wild guess. No, Ryan Murray. Mm, yeah, see? Yeah. According to hockeydatabase.com. I mean, how far do you go down that list until you find a name that you're like, oh, they should have taken that guy? What's the list? What's the list? Yakupov, Murray, Galchenyuk, Griffin, Reinhardt, Morgan Riley. I guess Morgan Riley. <laughs> but still, as a number one pick, I love me some Morgan Riley. I don't know if he's... Philip Forsberg's down there. Jacob eh. Truba. Eh. Just a couple below. Thomas Hurdle. Vasilevsky. Okay. Yeah. Down in, he's at 19 in the first there round. There you go. Vasilevsky should have been the number one pick of that draft. Yeah. You're not wrong there after looking at all this. Yeah. How the but fuck does that get fucked up that badly in the NHL draft? It's just a weak draft. Yeah, and Yakupov was supposed to be lights out. Yeah. But it would look like it was the guys around him in Sarnia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At that point. Yes, it is. And also, uh, another thing missing from potentially this biggest trucks, and I don't know if it makes it or not, but the season that Andrew Mangiapani is putting up, uh, I think he's already scored more goals this year than he scored his uh, past two years, not combined, but in each of those past two years. And we're not halfway through the season yet. So he's just lights out, having himself a great year. Maybe doesn't deserve this list as top five, but worth mentioning. Great year that he's having. Where is he playing, sir? Calgary. Well, good on you. Yeah. So Alexander Ovechkin scores his 274th power play goal, tying him with Dave Andrzejczyk for the most in NHL history. I don't know where he's going to end up on that list. I think, again, it's probably going to start with a three. No, no, I said four before with Curry, didn't I? No, three, yeah. No, you said three. <laughs> yep, I'm going to start with a three, I think. I don't know where it'll be. So the next closest top five guys that are active, one's barely active, <laughs> Patrick Marlowe is at 172. Steven Stamkos is at 170. There are other guys here after these two guys that are active, but don't have a fucking chance to to break this. Okay, so this is the guys that might have a hope in hell. Yeah, Marlowe and Stamkos are the closest to him and active, and the rest of the guys are the only guys that really 
may have a chance. Potentially have a chance. Yeah. yeah. So the next guys are Dry Seidel with 82, Matthews with 55, and McDavid with 45. Now, I think the only guy on that list that has any hope in hell of coming close to this is Leon Dry because he's become a bit of a power play merchant, if you will. A bit of a, he, he does his work on the power play. And he stands in front of the net while McDavid makes everyone look stupid, and then he just passes off to him and scores. Not quite in front of the net, but off to the side. He's got his own office. It's either way, the concept is he just fucking sits there while McDavid does the work and gives him the pass. And for the most part, he's no slouch in his own. I don't think he gets close. I don't think any of these players get close. Like you said, McDavid is uh, more of the setup man on the power play. Matthews scores a lot, but most of his goals are five on five. Like he's the best five on five goal scorer in the league. Power play, he does score, but not that's not where he gets the bulk of his work done. So right now, I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody comes close to getting to that record that's at least anywhere on the radar right now. Yeah, for me, for me, I, I actually I think it is Austin. You know, he's a couple years younger than Dreisaitl and he's on about the same pace as Dreisaitl. So it really doesn't, I mean, will he come close to it? Probably not to, to, to Ovi's, but I think he's going to be the next closest. I, I think eventually he will pass Stamkos, but I don't think he's going to get much further past uh stamp code marlow type thing in his career so so i don't think that anybody right now is going to beat him uh for the power play goals and i think you know unless one of these younger kids who are up and coming and the you know either going to be drafted soon were just drafted you know maybe a lafreniere uh or these new guys bedard and and so on and so forth the uh, powers maybe because we haven't seen them but at this point I'm saying this is lasting a real long fucking time. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, Drysaddle has a big, big lead on Matthews though too. What's 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 uh, Drysaddle's age? Two years difference. Ninety-five and ninety-seven are the two, two ages. And I guess it all, a lot of it does. It depends on both Matthews and Drysaddle, right? Because how long? Obviously, McDavid's probably gonna be there forever depending on what dry saddle is. And then with Matthews, it's Marner, right? How long those two are together, paired together, right? Yeah. I mean, yes, I don't think, even if if they both play their entire careers on the same team, I don't think any of them gets close to Obi here. Not close. Well, it'll be years before we figure this out, too. For sure. They're all basically about... You know, like Dry Saddle Matthews are about 10 power play goals a year, is basically what they're at, you know, give or take, you know, one or two here and there. So, yeah, so they only need 20 more years to catch them, right? And that's <laughs> the thing is that they're not going to let they're not going to play 20 more years, yeah. So, it's going to be very, very difficult for them to catch them. But I do think that they could be, you know, in the Stamkos Marlowe range by the end of their careers, which is still nowhere close, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, like, we know that neither of these guys were catching them, obviously. But, yeah. and like no. I said, you could get the, the, the Owen Powers, you could get the, uh, the Connor Bedard if he ends up, you know, 
being what people think he's going to be, maybe. But who knows? I mean, we thought Stamkos was the a fucking gift to hockey too, and he was great. But he's still he's sitting on 170, and he's not going to be putting in enough time to get to score another hundred power play goals. So yeah, and in terms of like play style, uh, he probably would have been the guy. Right. Like he has that power play bomb. He sets up pretty much the office next to Ovi's no. and rips the same shot. But yeah, but he Ovi also takes a bunch more shots too, probably than Sam Coase. And probably. Like he 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 had it set up. The the play was for him usually on the power play to get it in that area. And he would he would he had a hell of a shot. Ovi still has a hell of a shot. And they set up the play to have that too, but Stamkos also plays on a team with, I guess I, I guess you could say we'll be playing on a bunch of team with really good players too. Yep. Uh-huh. All right. Well, maybe he, no one's catching him then. And this is argument <laughs> redundant. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to feel some uh, younger players here. Just, just trying to. Yeah, you can do it. <laughs> you just need to stay with your team and with the same players that you have right now, right? Yeah, Ovi was too good. Too good. Well, why don't we uh, drag Bunt on into the MLB? Drag Bunt. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer the suicide squeeze over on into the MLB. <laughs> no, safety squeeze, if anything. That's it. All right, all right, all right. Well, that's no fun. Suicide squeeze is way more entertaining. <laughs> this is the season finale, Peter. How many times do I got to say this? Come on, Pete. <laughs> Live a little. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. All right. So not a whole lot going on in the MLB. As we all know, the lockout is uh, still rolling on. And if they were games, they would be all fucking canceled because of COVID. So So the only real big news is that Buck Walter has been hired as the Mets manager. He has a career style line of 1,551 wins, 1,517 losses, which is good for a 506 uh, win percentage that's solidly no, mediocre solid mediocre absolutely <laughs> so just to get some some words flowing and to get you guys chatting like do you guys like this this uh signing of show walter for the mets or do you not like it i'm nah like they like gotta his, like his uh, win percentage you're meh <laughs> it, it's it's not even that it's just he just I, I, maybe because he was the Baltimore and for a long time he was the head coach or manager there. I wasn't a huge fan of him, but yeah, I never, I could care less about him more or less. And him being hired as the Mets that they just went out and built this huge team. Like, I think he could have done something. It was like when, when uh, the Jays did and they went and got John Gibbons, I was like, what the frig? Like you could was great. No, he wasn't. You didn't like Gibby? I like Gibby. No, I, I was not a fan. It was horrible. <laughs> yeah. Like if you if you liked him because he was a drunk idiot, then yeah. that's a reason to like him, but that's well, about it. Why hang on, hang on. What else do you want out of your manager? I mean, <laughs> that's my criteria. Fucking W's, man. <laughs> yeah. <Fuck>. For sure. <laughs> Let's get some playoff wins. <laughs> if they're drunk and playoff wins, fine. But let's get them. <laughs> he did get some playoff wins. What the fuck? Yeah, but he didn't get past the ALCS. 
that it's hard to get past the ALCS. I agree, but I didn't want him doing it. That lineup too should have gotten past there. Was, oh my god! If you saw some of the lineup changes he made too, sometimes it's like, what are you doing? How much did you drink before you wrote this down? <laughs> well, I had four <laughs> coffees with Bailey's, then I had fifteen beer, and then thirteen shots tequila. <laughs> That's a lot, actually. Maybe maybe not, thir- <laughs> maybe not thirteen shots, like ten. I think he could hold his and uh, manage a game, a, a ball oh, game. At that point. <laughs> you could not understand him when he's doing his post game interview. <laughs> it was also really funny watching. That was like the best entertainment too, especially when they won. He was very excited. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, so off John Gibbons and back to Buck Walter. <laughs> So Jesse thinks it's meh. And Pete, what do you think? What do you think of the Mets hiring? Yeah, I, I don't know. It, it seems kind of meh. I, I don't know if – are there better choices out there? I don't know. Who would you have rather seen? Like, they just spent a ton of money trying to put a winning team together here. Right. Is there a manager they should have spent a ton of money on that's not Buck Showalter? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I can't argue there. There's nobody that – you know, is glaring looking for a job that's a superstar, a superstar manager that, you know, you're like, what the fuck? So, yeah, maybe. And, and Buck's always been kind of a by the book, straight lace kind of guy. He's not going to put up with any bullshit. And the Mets, they kind of have some bullshit that goes around in their clubhouse. So, so maybe this is a good, a good signing in that sense too, or he can keep, uh, keep the guys in line, as Kev would say. You know, he would he would weed out the cancers, and or, or keep at least keep the cancers in line. But I, but at the same time, Jess, I agree. It's it's meh. He's a 500 manager. You know, they have spent a lot of money, as you mentioned, Pete. You know, the likes of Scherzer, Eduardo Escobar, Starling Marte, and Marcana, and to bring in a 500 manager, you know, is he going to put these guys over the edge? Obviously, those guys, you know, join, you know, DeGrom, Taylor Walker, uh, Carlos Carrasco, if he can get his ship together, that's a pretty good fucking starting four pitchers. You know, Pete Alonzo, uh, Lindor, Brendan Nimmo, and Jeff McNeil. So it's a half-decent existing lineup. You add those other four guys, it it makes them on paper fairly scary. Can they put it together and can Showalter keep it together? Because we know it's a circus in any New York, whether it's the Yanks or the Mets, but definitely the Mets is always a fucking, it's always a, a circus. I agree with Peter. You're right. I don't know who I would else hire than him, but I just, I feel like you got to take a chance on someone that's young and up and coming at this point. I don't know who, but I think that's what you go with. I don't think you go with someone old and decrepit. Yeah. I mean, well, <laughs> As much as we always bitch about baseball not changing, it is changing slightly, and I'd rather go with someone young. Like, look at Kevin Cash, right? He won Coach of the Year and shit like that. He's a young guy. Gabe Kapler, young guy. Yeah, and these guys came out of nowhere. But but it's it's different in New York, though, man. You got, like, the pressure in New York is big to go in there as someone. Not if you're a Mets manager. They fucking get away with murder out there. They fucking suck. (laughs) Or sexual assault, whatever. <laughs> oh, wait, that was the GM. <laughs> Ooh. 
That was good. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Mets fans. The <laughs> uh, only thing that would have made that joke better is if it was against the Yankees. Yeah. Maybe yeah, they, they, they actually still win here and there. Like, yeah, they, 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 like they spend a bunch of money, but they still win. They eventually get there. So where do you think these guys end up, the Mets? Where do you think they end up, let's say, in the NL East and if good enough in the playoffs? With all these added things, they spend a shit ton of money. They have definitely been the most active team in the offseason. Obviously, things have come to a halt with the lockout, but uh, prior to that, and then obviously during the lockout with this uh, Showalter signing. So where do they end up? Do they win the division? I think so. I mean, the NL East is not a very strong division. They have I mean, the just, World despite, Series champion. I, I, I understand they have the World Series champion. And the MVP. And LMVP's <laughs> in the same division, man. But they also made the fucking playoffs with a record worse than the fucking Blue Jays who didn't. Just because of the strength of their division. Mm-hmm. Um, man, they're the Montreal Canadiens of the MLB. Exactly. They they're going to collapse they this year. But they win. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. They got Acuna You're making co- my point for me, Jesse. Yeah, but they got Acuna coming back. They won it without him. That's that's the huge part. Yeah. yeah, the Braves will be there for sure. You just said that you made. I made your point for you, and we already discussed how badly the Canadians have been this year. Yeah. That's a joke, Jesse. <laughs> Settle that. All right. I well, did, I, I can't I tell. Think... I, I can't tell the difference too when you're trying to make a joke and. I'll hold up a sarcasm sign from now on. Oh, I definitely need that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they'll be right up there at the uh, fighting for the top of the division. That's what I think. Just just at the top, like, are they going to win it or not? I think they'll win it, but they'll be in a race. I think a race, yeah. And so, okay, so then they win it, and then what do they do? I don't think they. I'll say they win the DS and lose in the CS. That's my CS. fucking, that's my wild guess. That's your way, point. way, way early <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> guess for the Mets. Yeah. Jess, what do you think? Where, where do you think they finish in the NL East? They might make a World Series, or not World Series, a wild card. Hot take, World Series. <laughs> wild card. I don't think they'll be winning this division. I think this division is going to be uh, pretty good. It'll be interesting to see what Miami does. With They got a lot of young players. Uh-huh. Hopefully, some of them show up. They had a great pitching staff, like you said. Philly's got the NL MVP and the World Series champs in there. And then also, you have to think about Milwaukee and San Fran and and the Dodgers, and plus San Diego too. So it'll be tough to get to that wild card spot. And if they do, I don't. I don't think they move past the wild card. Yeah, 100% agree, Jess. I'm going to say they make the they, – they lose the division to the Braves. Uh, it, in a, it'll be close, like you say, Pete. It'll be close. But they lose the division to the Braves. They do make the wild card, uh, the number two wild card, because it's either going to be the Giants or the Dodgers in the first wild card. No question about that again. Well, it could be and San Diego. Maybe. Maybe. But regardless, they they lose in that in that wild card. I agree with you. Uh, Jesse, even though they would likely have Scherzer going in that, which is crazy to think that they're going to lose with Scherzer on the mound, but I think whoever they end up playing, you know, I, I guess the Giants is kind of the only question mark because we just really don't know if the Giants are going to be as good as they were last year. You, you figure the Dodgers are going to be just as good, and you figure that the Padres are going to be just as good. I mean, Dodgers might step back a little, a little. They'll still be good. A little, but so they lose 
they lose Corey Seager. They sure resign. Uh, yeah, and sure, but they got him in the at the end, right? And they were still pretty good before before they had him. I don't know. I think the Dodgers are still going to be pretty fucking. Did they cool. did they resign Chris Taylor too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they didn't. And he's know. he's their uh, utility guy more. Utility more guy, less, yeah, uh, exactly, exactly. And so depending on what they do, well, Trey Turner will likely move over to shortstop now, and then you're either going to see Gavin Lux uh, at second, or you'll see uh, Taylor there, right? Just kind of depends on where, which which direction they want to go with Lux because they put him in the outfield a lot. Um, mostly because of need last year, but, but anyway, I think the Mets uh, like you just going to lose out in a wild card spot. That's it for ball bit boys. Baseball is a slow. It's a slow go. It's a slow go. So you don't want to talk about Gibby just a little more. I mean, we could, I mean, <laughs> I swear, I'm I'm I swear that he had beers in the fucking dugout, you know, that he was, you know, he'd reach under and he'd have a water bottle, but it'd have fucking a, uh, for him, probably a fucking Labatt's Blue or a Molson Canadian <laughs> in that fucking thing. I was going to say Labatt Ice or something. Like yeah, Labatt. Black Ice, even worse. Or better, I guess, depending on how you look at it. So anyway, uh, that's it. That's all we're going to swing for the fences this time in ball. Maybe we'll uh, pass this on over to Pete. We're going to keep going with a little bit of hockey. Just not quite the NHL. No, not quite. But lots of fun still. If you've never been, you got to try and make it one day to a World Juniors tournament. Fuck yeah. They are tons of fun. And this year, young Connor Bedard, Josh, you mentioned earlier, uh, joins an elite list of 16-year-olds to have the opportunity to play for Team Canada at the World Juniors. So that list is McDavid and Crosby in the past 20 years. That's it. Spezza and Boom Easter in 2000, Lindros in 1990, and of course, Wayne Gretzky back in 1978. So the list is six players long. It's about to be seven when Connor Bedard joins the group. He's the presumptive number one overall pick in not this coming draft, but the following, the 2023 draft. And so it'll be fun to see him play. A lot of times these uh, these young guys don't make a huge impact uh, just because they still obviously have so much more growing to do than the 18, 19-year-olds that are there that they're playing against, but they have the skill to sort of display some of what got them there. Hold their own. Yeah, they hold their own, and they they display a little bit, but they're usually not sort of uh, – fixtures of the lineup uh but so the question i have for you this list is there's generational talent on this list in mcdavid crosby lindros and gretzky those four guys are generational talents and then spets and bomeister are there spets and bomeister are great players but they are not close to the same caliber as those other four guys so what do you think Connor Bedard is going to be? Is he going to be a Spezza and Bomeister? Or is he going to be a McDavid Crosby, Lynn Ross Gretzky? And I'm talking his career here, his NHL career. Well, without knowing the guy or checking anything up on him, I just feel, like you said, Peter, being a generational talent, McDavid and Crosby, 
yeah, they're kind of close. Lindros and Gretzky, not so close in like when they were around. So these don't happen very often. I'm going to say he's probably going to be more like a Spezza and Bowmeister because it's super, super rare for this kind of talent to come around. I'm going to go the opposite direction. I think he's more of a McDavid Crosby Lindros. I won't say that he's going to be a Gretzky because that's <laughs> fucking asinine. But the other three, I, I think he's going to be there. Uh, you know, he's been given uh, exceptional player status in the CHL. He has are he's eclipsing on no, you know, so far the season isn't uh, you know hasn't obviously hasn't finished or whatever. But Bedard is already scoring and assisting on more goals than than any player. Uh, you know, you got the likes. So, so uh, sorry, Bedard has he's scoring 0.8 goals a game. 1.07 assists a game. Uh, the next guy up is Johnny Tavares, who was a 0.69 goals and a 0.49 assists. You know, combined, that's uh, you're looking like a 0.7 point per game more than John Tavares. Is this as a 16 year old? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Shane Wright, same deal. He's the presumptive number one pick uh, in the this upcoming year. draft. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he's a 0.67 goals and 0.47 assists per game. So, so Bedard and then McDavid was 0.4 goals a game and 0.65 assists per game for 1.05 points. And so Bedard is scoring 1.87 per game. Uh, and so that's eclipsing all of these guys. And I haven't seen much of this guy play, but from everything that I read and everything that I've seen, this guy is legitimately that, you know, he's the next Connor, you know, Connor was the next Crosby. Crosby was the next Gretzky. Right. And so that's the way I'm looking at this. You know, I don't think he's going to get, he's going to be Gretzky. Let's put it that way. Nobody's, nobody's ever, in my opinion, going to be Gretzky across the board. Sure. You might have only beat the, beat the goals, but he's not going to, you know, also beat assists and that type of thing. Like Gretzky is still always for me, number one, always, always, but this Bedard is looking Pretty fucking solid. I'm going to say he's one of those generational talents of the Crosby, uh, McDavid, and even Lindros uh, mode, but not Gretzky. Yeah, I think I'm uh, I'm closer to you, Josh, than uh, than to Jesse's opinion. This guy is fucking a superstar already, and uh, I don't see him slowing down at all. And he looks like he is the next great Canadian talent. Now, do you think with all the talent on the Canadian junior team, do you think he's going to be the top dog? No. Nope. Like, I mean, you do have Owen Powers. You do have Shane Wright. Like, these guys are also fucking awesome. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, uh, again, like I said, I don't think he will be. Like, uh, like the, the juniors that uh, Josh, me, and you went to see, which was McDavid's 16-year-old juniors. Amazing. He was, he was not the guy. No. He was a he was a superstar when he played. He was he made some huge plays. Laser was the <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Curtis Lazar. Laser, laser, yeah. and Domi. Those were the two big guys. Domi. That's right. That's right. And uh, Leclerc, right? Leclerc was the big guy. Leclerc, I don't remember. Uh, Leclerc. Robbie Ferrari was there. Uh, Fabry, sorry. Fabry, yeah. Ferrari. Wasn't it Leclerc? No, you're uh, right. Duclair. 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 That's right. Oh. Anthony Duclair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And Carter fucking Hart. Yeah. Yep. So. 
those are fucking good times, man. I was actually talking to uh, to Dana today about when we, when you and I went. And I said, "You ask Peter any fucking time he hears Uptown Funk, what does he fucking think about? Hundred <laughs> percent is that tournament. Like yeah. when they scored a goal, they played it. In the intermission, they played that song. And, and I mean, we were so drunk, we loved it every single time. <laughs> so, it's a good jam, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So yes. To close that segment, anytime you can make your way to a World Junior Tournament in person, do it. And uh, if you can't, watch it because it's great TV. You know what's another thing that was really good about that tournament, just as another sidebar, is remember, I'm not sure if I went to the the game with you or, or I know I was at the game, but I'm pretty sure it was the Latvian goalie. And he fucking stood on his head against whatever team. They ended up losing, but he, you know, he was the player of the game for Latvia. I feel like it was Russia. Yeah. Were you there? Was it me and you? It might have been you. And I just remember like this, this goalie, it was either Latvian or Belarus, one or the other. And this fucking goalie stood on his head and the crowd fucking lost it. At the end of the game, they gave him like, it was a super long standing ovation. You could literally see in his face. And especially obviously after when we watch it on the highlight shows and whatnot, you can actually see his face. And he was like, he was not necessarily in tears, but you could see that he was super emotional and like thankful that, we as Canadian fans, because it was definitely not a Canadian game. It was like Belarus and like, is that maybe Russia or whatever? And he just stood on his fucking head and we appreciated that as hockey fans. And it was just, that was one of the best, most powerful moments at a, at a hockey game I've ever been at. Just the, that whole ambiance and everybody just being so pumped up for this goalie who he fucking lost the game, but he was amazing. And I wish I could remember the kid's name because it'd be interesting to see where he is. Cause it's been what, six, seven years now since we went to be yeah. as interesting to see where he is now uh, and where he's playing. But you know, I can't remember what happened yesterday. So I can't remember his name either. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember how it made me feel. And like you said, it was uh, it was a great game to watch. Cause yeah, the team just got shelled. They got filled in. And I think it was like a 2-1 game at the end of it. Yeah, but like 60 or 70 shots. Like, it was crazy. So, World Juniors, great TV. Make sure you watch it. What else is good TV? What's going on in uh, in the world of boxing? So, we have the old big fight. This is normally Kevin's uh, piece, as everybody knows. You know, he likes the big fights. He likes knockouts. So, he would have loved this one. Well, he would have liked the knockout. He might not have liked 2-1. But... It was a Jake Paul versus Tyone Woodley Woodley fight. Uh, This fight, Woodley came in and uh, was a savior for this fight as uh, Tommy Fury bailed out. And so Woodley decided that he needed to uh, fight Jake Paul again and get his ass beat again. Uh, It's crazy that the social media, you know, this guy became big on Vine. You know, him and his brother and and now he's is he's a professional boxer, I guess. I don't I don't really know if he is or not, but he so he knocked out Tyrone Woodley in the sixth round on Saturday night's fight. Jake Paul is now five and zero in his you know quote unquote pro boxing career with five fucking knockouts. Now lots of people you know as you look through comments of videos and whatnot are saying that this was all a rigged fight and you can see that Woodley dropped his hand and then that's when Jake Paul fucking came in with the power punch and knocked his ass out. To me, when I looked at it, 
Yeah. When I looked at it, to me, it looked like it, like Woodley's arm was up and he just, he just straight out fucking beat it, went around the fucking hand and, and smash him in the face and down goes Woodley. You know, there was talk about, Oh, look how he falls. His knees hit first and this and that. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I was a hater on Jake Paul. This is a social media guy. What the fuck are you doing? Trying to, trying to box, trying to be an athlete. And he's, he's doing it. You know, he's actually doing it now. Is Jake Paul a legit boxer? I'm going to say no still. That's my yeah. opinion. But he's on his way to being a legitimate boxer if he can beat another legitimate boxer. He's fighting guys that are UFC guys. He's fighting guys that... This is celebrity boxing. It's a celebrity yeah. boxing. So let's, let's put him against a real, a real fighter and see how she goes. Yeah, I don't like. I don't even think he boxes uh, sort of in his weight class yet. Like, I think Woodley's quite a bit smaller than he is. Then that wouldn't happen in pro boxing. Like in in pro boxing, you're in your weight class. Right. You can you can change weight classes if you change your weight, and you can fight up. But yeah, but uh, yeah, he's an amateur boxer. He's a good amateur boxer. I'll give him that. Uh, but a legitimate pro boxer he is not not yet and would so would you pay to see this guy box oh probably yeah <laughs> hmm. what about you jess would you pay i don't know if i would i'm uh you're just a hater no man i like i, I got the zone i watched a couple boxing matches and stuff like that they got some good stuff there a lot of stuff out of ukraine uh their names i cannot pronounce Jesse but, watches the Ukrainian boxing. These guys, these guys, <laughs> these guys can go, man. These guys are, are true boxers, and it it's fun to watch these guys go at it because there's more technical side of it. Like I find Jake Paul is more of a cement head, takes a bunch of punches and then throws a big right hook. Yeah. So so like that that's definitely in boxing for sure, but I like to see the tech tacticians, right? More or less. And he as much as he is, he's bringing a lot of pull to the sport right now because boxing is dying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, I just don't think that he's the one to pull it out of there. You got to see a true talent and him going against true talent. He's just got the followers, is what I see. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I think if he boxed a professional boxer his same weight class, he would lose. Just based on the tactical skill and training as opposed to a power punch or what have you. Like, obviously, you know, anybody can nail somebody on a whim with a, a knockout punch. But, you know, if you're calculated and, and whatnot, as like, even though he and Money Mayweather may be in different classes, I think if they really fought, because I'm pretty sure it was it was Logan Paul that fought Money Mayweather, right? I'm not 100% sure on the G and Jody. Well, I don't fuck. I'm pretty yeah, sure it was Logan man. Paul. I think that, you're right on that. Yeah. yeah. But, but it was also not uh, an actual boxing fight, was it? Like, no one risked the record on that. No, 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 no. No, it was just an exhibition type. So thing, he, but... all, all Mayweather did was just kind of move around him and then counter kind of thing. Well, and that's what money does to begin with. So, you know, whether, like, like you're getting at Pete, if you, if you put a real boxer against him, somebody like money who sits back, who waits, you know, waits for you to take that big fucking right hand hook and then nails you with a fucking, 
a right jab and knocks your ass out because you're completely open when you get that that real boxer you know but we haven't seen that yet so it'll be interesting now uh george masvidal who kevin has butchered that name a couple times throughout the season here uh he has come out and said to jake paul he said come on over to ufc sign on a one fight deal i'll break your jaw in front of the world man i promise you that if you really want it come get it so i love this i think jake paul needs to step up because he's always one that's talking shit. He talks shit like crazy during the uh, during the weigh-ins to Woodley. He just he just runs his mouth. He runs his mouth. I think this man needs to step up, and he needs to go over to the UFC and he needs to fight Masvidal. And I hope Masvidal whoops his fucking ass, like literally breaks his fucking jaw, just like he says he's going to. <laughs> you know? like, like be true to your word. And I I really think that. Jake Paul might know how to bounce around a ring with boxing gloves on, but the UFC octagon is a completely different animal. And I think he gets a hundred percent dominated no matter who he fucking fights. If he were to do that in the UFC, he probably won't because he knows that he's yeah, not yeah. a UFC guy. Right. So also taking him out of the sport too, right? Like he, he isn't trained to be UFC. He's, he's trained to be a boxer more. Right. Less, right. But so, that's, yeah. That's what he's doing to these guys. Though. Some of these other right. guys, yeah, exactly. But they're, I find with UFC guys is they feel super overconfident too because they what they hit with is just like some gloves on, right? Whereas these guys, mm. the boxers have they consider pills on their hands, right? Yep, so for sure, and that's not the case. That's people should know, <laughs> but it, having him go to the UFC is like he's just asking you beaten pretty hard but it would be it would be interesting to see if he takes on that challenge i don't I think he'll it. win i doubt it i don't think he will but that's gonna definitely put his uh you know his public image down a notch you know like he he's this guy that's challenging all these other people he's the he's he's you know quote unquote the underdog the whole time because he's not a fighter he's a social media fucking guy you know and he's winning and he's knocked five guys out. Like it's not like he's winning by decision. He's knocked them out. So that was a that was a big knockout. Now one more thing I want to mention about boxing in the same night before we move on. So I don't know if you guys saw the Deron Williams and Frank Gore bout. It was obviously the big athlete uh, celebrity bout of of the night, and. Deron Williams just destroyed Frank Gore. Like Gore had nothing. Deron was just, he was all over it. He fucking, at one point he, you would think that a guy like Frank Gore could take a, a hit. And it was almost like a fucking tackle without being wrapped up. And he got pushed and pushed back into the fucking ropes. And then he ended up flipping kind of over the, the bottom rope and ended up outside of the fucking ring. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> I'm like, fuck Frank Gore. You're, you're a fucking all-time one of the all-time running backs like you got to be able to take a hit and then Duran ended up he hit him a few fucking times and of course there is a viral picture that's been going out there of of Duran cocking back with his left and and you get this fucking face the face oh fuck he's like he's so (laughs) scared but (laughs) it's such an awesome fucking photo and I mean I think I know Kevin definitely had Frank Gore. I had Frank Gore in this. I don't know what you guys uh, picked. Pete, you were off last week, so I don't think you got to choose. I don't know where you where you were uh, sitting there, Jess, what side of the fence, but 
Frank Gore had fuck all on Deron Williams. I don't remember, but I, I just remember saying, like, he was a San Fran running back, so I really don't care for him, even <laughs> though he's he's huge on the, the rushing yards list, top yeah. five. And I I was just like, he is still he used to run over the Rams, so not a fan of him for that. Yeah. So D. Will fucking ended up winning that. And then, of course, I saw some some posts that said uh, – the next bout is Jake Paul versus D. Will, which I thought was pretty funny. <laughs> like, Deron Williams is not fighting Jake Paul. No. And Deron ended up saying afterwards, he's like, I'm one and done. He's like, that was fun, but that's it. He's like, I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> so he probably, I mean, you got to think about it too. He's a fucking, he's a basketball player, right? So second, second most pussy fucking athlete next to soccer player. <laughs> Right? Especially <laughs> as Kev would say, he fucking hates soccer players. So. <laughs> but after you're getting punched in the head a couple times, maybe it'll toughen you up a bit. Or makes you say, I'm never doing that again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that hurt. <laughs> All right. And then big news we talked about last week uh, in the PNC Championship, which is a golf tournament. Uh, Tiger Woods is now back and he is playing. Uh, obviously this isn't a uh, big PGA thing. It's not, you know, it's not for points or anything like that as the season is currently uh, it's in the off season, but the PNC championship is a 40 player, 20 team tournament. Most of the teams are father, son, uh, brother, sister type thing, mostly family. And Tiger Woods is playing his first event since his uh, gruesome car accident back in February, which is phenomenal because well, at least one of us didn't think that Tiger would ever play again. Uh, oh, on the tour. Oh, on the tour. Okay, well, so he's te- still, technically still, still probably going to be wrong. Not on the tour. Oh, you're definitely going to be wrong the way he uh, he showed out this weekend. So, but I'm not wrong yet. Damn not it. Yeah, not yet. But it Just will like take how away. you're not right about uh, Urban yet. Yeah, that's right. We still got time. We still got time. <laughs> so Tiger's playing with his son Charlie. And Charlie is damn good. You know, he's uh, Charlie kicks all of our asses if we go out and play around with him right now. Oh, guaranteed. He out drives us all. He out chips us all. He out fucking pots us. The only thing he might not outdo us in is drinking and smoking dope. Yeah. <laughs> we got you there, bitch. <laughs> like we got him until for a few years. And then for a couple started. years, yeah. <laughs> then he's really like, now I got you and everything, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, after the PNC tournament, so it, it, it was only it's only a two day tournament, so it's only thirty six holes as opposed to regular thirty or excuse me, uh, regular seventy two. And so Team Daly won the the PNC championship. They finished with a minus twenty seven. So that's John Daly and his son John Daly the uh, second. John Daly the second is an eighteen year old uh, kid who obviously plays some half decent golf team woods finished in second place at a minus 25. So obviously I had tiger and his son, Charlie, Charlie is 12 years old. And that's uh, that's big for me. 12 years old uh, team sink was minus 24. So that's Stuart sink and his son, Reagan sink Reagan is 23. And he actually plays on the PGA tour in a lower aspect of the, uh, of the tour itself. Uh, and then number four was team Thomas at minus 24. Sorry, they were tied for number three uh, team time at 
Thomas at minus 24, and that's Justin Thomas and his father, Mike Thomas. And Mike Thomas is 88. Now you think that's Ooh. pretty crazy that he's an 88 year old, but Mike Thomas was a professional in his day. He dummy is too. Yeah, oh yeah, 100%. But we can out drink him, I bet. Fuck yeah, we can. <laughs> so. <laughs> This is really cool. I love to see, you know, for me seeing all this in the sons and the family aspect, I really like this tournament, but the biggest thing for me here is two things. One tiger's back. He played pretty well. Uh, things look good. You know, maybe, you know, even, uh, Justin Thomas said that, you know, target tiger's not as far off as people have said, he's, he's a little closer than people think he is to being back into a competitive role. Now he's not going to be a full-time competitive role. He's already said that he wants to play as a part-time type kind of guy. Um, Kev will tell you once and again, he can always play in the fucking masters because he's won it and he can always play again. He'll tell you that until you're blue in the face, which is hundred percent true. But what um, about the three point? <clears throat> I'm kidding. Carry on. Kidding. <laughs> Fuck. NBA was a long time ago, <laughs> but Fuck. So for me, you know, I love where the Woods team finished here. And the question here is, and maybe it's not necessarily a question, maybe it's just uh, just a talking point, but was it Tiger that carried the team or was it Charlie that carried the team? No, obviously on the drive, you would assume that Tiger has a little bit of an advantage, even though he's uh, hobbled. But either way, this is great for the sport. If Tiger carried the team here, Tiger is back. He's sure it's not a hundred percent. You know, he's still, he's still injured. He's still dealing with some shit, but that's great for the sport. And if Charlie carried this team, if Charlie made some great shots and I did see some great shots that Charlie made, that's great for the, for the, the sport in the future. And so either way, I really love what I saw out of team woods this weekend. I'm really happy for Tiger to be out back out there. And it was awesome to see Charlie uh, swinging that stick and playing better than all of us. What's the format of this? Is it like a best ball kind of thing? Just so it's a scramble team? within your team. Yeah. So, so you and I both hit a drive and we play the best. We, we choose which one we would like to play, whether it be best or not, depending on, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever we think is best. Right. Uh, then we both hit our, a second approach shot. Then we both hit a putt. Um, yeah, of course, yeah. with us, it would be a drive and then a second shot, and then a third shot, and then a fourth shot, then an approach, then a putt, then a putt, <laughs> then a putt and then Three maybe we're beginning, and then maybe another putt. So. Sometimes we make the green in three. <laughs> if it's a par three, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so it's a it's a team scramble, you know, as they call it. And and I don't I really like this. Like VJ Singh and his son were playing. You know, and so it's it's just it's cool with the different ages and uh, you know all these players and their kids and whatnot, uh, or you know, in the case of Justin Thomas being the kid and playing with his father, I, I really like this uh, this tournament, and it seems like it's pretty a pretty fun tournament to be part of. Yeah, it seems fun. I didn't watch any of it, but I think it would be a good time. And I miss golf. That... <laughs> playing it, I mean. I miss golf too, man. You know what? I mean, it's too bad the year is so far away, but we should. Uh, we, I, I wonder if Kev could play with his bum knee if we did, did like an indoor thing because there's no walking, right? He's just like for Kev. I, I know it's probably twisting and turning is going to fuck him up more, but he don't give yeah. a fuck. 
he's he can hard. spectate. He's Fuck hard him. as fuck. He'll play anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> have you ever played those indoor games? Yeah, I've done a few. Yeah, there. I, I have the putting. I have the putting is brutal because so you, it, they set it up to a gimme within six feet, which is great when you don't hit anything within six feet, but it still doesn't give you the real feel for putting, right? But everything else is pretty pretty accurate, and it it reads your slice, you know, which is a problem for me at least. So <laughs> um, they're all right. Yeah. So if you completely skull a ball and hit it like ten oh, yards, oh, it's it, accurate. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, it's it ain't giving you a perfect drive if you fuck it up. That's what it <laughs> you know, and the nice thing is, so you don't have to walk, you don't have to deal with any weather. Of course, you can play in the winter. And when you want a beer, you just turn around and be like, uh, wait, waiter, waitress, uh, can I get another drink? <laughs> wench, I'm thirsty. <laughs> yeah, beer wench, I need another beer. <laughs> oh. Like I said, I, I know uh, I know a guy, uh, Clint, shout out. He he plays in a uh, in a league throughout the winter, uh, you know, winter league of golf, and it's an indoor thing. And so I don't know how good he is. Uh, probably not as good as us, but. I mean, it's a low bar. <laughs> no, he's probably better than us. The way he plays fucking baseball, he's probably way fucking better than we are. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's going to do her for, for other stuff, other sports, that is. Don't want to get crazy and uh, talk forever. We've already been chatting for a while. So why don't we uh, roll into our penalty boxes and... Pete, why don't you start us off by going around a lap? <laughs> well, you're wrong when you say we're done with other stuff. Because oh. we are going to, in my penalty box, cross the line into Formula E. <laughs> uh, so none of us are big Formula One fans. Although I have been told in my day job, that we should start talking about Formula One on this show because uh, apparently it's got a big following and it's very uh, dramatic. Lots of uh, lots to talk about in this sport, apparently. Such is what I'm going to put in my box uh, because on the final race of the season uh, in Abu Dhabi on Sunday, last Sunday, there was uh, some controversy. You don't say. Yeah, 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 yeah. So race director Michael Massey is in my penalty box. And I'm going to do my best to explain why. If there are any Formula One fans out there, I hope I don't butcher it too badly. You mean Formula huh? Formula eh? <laughs> <laughs> At least they turn right. <laughs> and not every time. Not every time. Not every time. They turn, it's a combination right, left, straight. Hairpin like left, hairpin right. <laughs> uh, so Lewis Hamilton with Team Mercedes lost the Formula One world title to Max Verstappen on the final lap of the final race of the season-ending Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. The finish was extremely controversial as Hamilton had a 14-second lead and was coasting to victory with only a few laps left in the race. When a crash involving Nicholas Latifi brought out the safety car, 
So at this point, there were three other lapped cars. Like these, these two leaders, Hamilton and Verstappen, are so good that they're literally lapping people. And so Hamilton out in front has three other cars behind him that have already been lapped. And then there's the second place Verstappen when this crash happens. And so when it happened, Verstappen's Red Bull team decided to pit him to switch to new tires. Uh, tires are a huge part of this race, uh, these Formula One races, changing your tires and pitting, because uh, the tires get worn down very quickly. So having fresh tires with lots of grip can make the difference between winning and losing a race. And as we'll get to here in a second, it did in this race. So Verstappen pitted. Um, Hamilton did not because the, um, the call was made that there would be no passing of the safety car during this safety. And so he didn't want to lose his position out in front, so he did not pit. Uh, when the safety was coming to an end, Massey changed the rules and decided that the three cars that had been lapped already were allowed to pass the safety car and essentially get out of the way so that there would be a dramatic finish to the race between Hamilton and Verstappen. Now, a lot of the difficult part in Formula One is passing other racers. So three other cars getting out of the way is a big thing. And especially with, I think at this point, there was one lap left in a 58 lap race. Uh, laps. Eh. Uh, so Massey after first saying that the cars were not allowed to pass during the safety and then allowing the lap cars to pass uh, it affected the strategy that the Mercedes team and Hamilton took and because they didn't change their tires and Verstappen did and then the lap cars were allowed to leave uh, Hamilton ended up skidding out on a corner and Verstappen was able to pass him and win the race. Like I said, this race was the final race of the season and the final lap. And it was between these two guys. This race meant everything for the season. And it was essentially influenced by more or less the ref, which I hate. I hate to see refs getting themselves involved in the game, even if it's a race. So for that reason, and I hope I explained that properly. Michael Massey, we're in my penalty box for changing the rules halfway through a safety. Yeah, it sounds about right. You can't, you know, if you say, okay, that the, the lapped car has got to stay behind a leader and in between the, the first two uh, racers, then that needs to be the way it stays until the green flag is flown again. Um, it definitely sucks for Hamilton that that was not the case. And he, they're, they're right. The Mercedes team is right. They probably would have won that, that race had the other cars not been allowed to, to pass to get on the lead lap. Uh, that being said, Mr. Massey is in the business of making exciting races happen. And he, you know, he wants that to, he wants there to be a super exciting finish. Now this super exciting finish only happened because 
Verstappen won the 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 excuse me the race before like the previous week he won it to tie Lewis to have this opportunity to to win uh, on this final race so obviously you know the F1 um, director and the F1 uh, you know as an organization wants there to be a super close race but is it right to, to, you know, change the rules, I, I guess, uh, you know, or at least, you know, or at least change your, your thought process halfway through. And again, affecting what Lewis did with his race and his race plan. And I think that's the big thing. Exactly. Exactly. It affected the strategy and it, yeah. it just wasn't fair the way it was, uh, the way it shook out. Right. Like if, if you're going to make that decision, um, I think if you had made that decision from the start of the safety, then both of them could have changed their tires. Yeah. And you could have had a dramatic final lap. On good tires. And, On good tires. And then and maybe a, still, you know, who knows? Maybe Verstappen wins, maybe Lewis wins. We don't know. But Yeah, right. But that's not the way it went. And especially with Hamilton having the 14-second lead going into that safety. Like, he had, if there was no accident, he won the race easy. Yeah. But that's not the way it should get Interesting. Yep. So D- dirty formula uh, race director. Dirty formula <laughs> directors. <laughs> yeah. So that's my box. And uh, be more fair next time. So, Josh, what's going on in your box? I don't even know what the hell is going on. <laughs> Fuck. The Southern New York Giants. So they announced that they were going to have a fan appreciation day. And this fan appreciation day, fans, not not fans, season ticket holders, so only season ticket holders would receive a free medium soda. I hear in Canada we'd call it a pop, but in the US they call them sodas. But either way, you're getting a free medium pop, medium soda. You know, maybe you pay five or six bucks for it at the stadium, but in reality, it's worth about seven cents. It's just a little bit of syrup, carbonation, and water. Really nothing crazy. So the Giants announced that this was what they were going to give to their fans, a free medium soda. That's it. The New York Giants are worth $4.85 billion, and all they can offer to their fans who have made them these $4.85 billion is a fucking five to seven cent soda. Most teams will give a shirt, a hat, a little something, something, a towel. Towel, yeah. <laughs> a little something, something, you know. When we go to Raptor games, Jesse, you got one on right now. I went to a Raptor playoff game, got a fucking free T-shirt. Now, obviously, this playoffs is a little different, but still got a free T-shirt. I'm too fat for the T-shirt, so I decided that I had to hand it off to somebody who could actually fit into it, and I could actually get some good use out of it. And so here's Jesse wearing it today. You know? Only, only kind of jersey I have for the Raptors, too. There you go. So... <laughs> You know, and a T-shirt. Let's say you limit it to the first fifty thousand fans, as a lot of uh, a lot of teams do, especially here in Toronto. They say first twenty-five thousand dollars or twenty-five thousand fans get this item, whatever it is: T-shirt, hat, bobblehead, towel. So there's eighty-two thousand five hundred seats, including boxes and whatnot, at MetLife Stadium. So let's just say, for argument's sake, you offer the fan appreciation to the fifty thousand first fifty thousand fans, and they get 
quote unquote a ten dollar t-shirt just i guarantee you that that t-shirt you're wearing is not worth 10 bucks especially when you buy twenty thousand of them they're going to be about three four or five bucks if that so even at ten dollars fifty thousand shirts it's only a half million dollars of this 4.85 billion dollar company that you run surely that's got to be enough money to throw a t-shirt at your fucking fans it's got to be but no they went with a medium fucking soda can't even be a large soda. Right. Yeah. I mean, a large soda is like a large with, farm is even fucking worse, really. With free refills or fucking I mean, something? I maybe, but I don't know, man. That's a tough one. Like, I would be pissed if I went to a Raptor game, a Leaf game, a Blue Jay game as a fan appreciation. They gave me a fucking soda. I don't even want a soda. No, I want beer. <laughs> Give us beer, you fucks. And I mean, it's New York. I mean, that, life, that's right? at the... the like the value that you're getting then if you're getting a beer compared to a soda oh i would much rather get a beer if i was like oh sweet i'm getting a free beer for friend appreciation day that's all right i mean they're just trying to catch profits because of covid right new york it has been a tough uh, area for covid and stuff like that and that's probably why they're doing this but why not they they definitely just come out cheap (laughs) like why not just do nothing just say no like don't even announce a fan appreciation day just roll without one you you don't spend any money and you don't look like a fucking asinine franchise that is you know like it's like josh when we go to your wedding i'm gonna give you a wedding present here's two bucks yeah exactly i'm gonna get you love you buddy thanks for paying for the (laughs) wedding favor bro <laughs> like you're better off just not giving him the two bucks. Exactly, for <laughs> sure. At least without giving something, you're like, oh, maybe he forgot or yeah. whatever. Yeah. It's not like this fucking ignorant prick gave me two bucks. <laughs> so the New York Giants, because you can't figure out your fans, you gotta appreciate them more than a fucking soda. That's why you're in my box. This is a fucking bullshit. Now, Jess, who you got in your box? Well, he's a repeat offender, I'm pretty sure, Kyrie Irving. So this is more of a funny one. So the Nets are so down with COVID and injuries that they need to bring in a part-time player. So he'll be playing in certain areas uh, in road games, obviously not in Toronto or with the Knicks and, and obviously in Brooklyn. So after saying that that's offering him to be a part-time player. He then goes into safety protocols less than 24 hours after they offer this to him. And because we all know he's not vaccinated, he's going to have to wait those 10 days (laughs) and have, I think it's like five days and you have to have consecutive uh, negative tests during those times. It's, (laughs) It's just funny that this happens. The guy can finally, and that's a fine allow him to play. And then right as soon as he's ready to join, he gets the vid. Doesn't surprise me, man. That's karma, man. Yeah. That's karma. 100%. <laughs> so, Irving, you're in my box because one, you can't catch a break, and two, you are a goofball. And on this flat earth that you think we live on, <laughs> it's come for a full circle. Wait a second, what? <laughs> flat and full circle? Yeah, it's, it's a circle. 
but it's flat. <laughs> oh, I see. It's not a sphere. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. <laughs> oh fuck yeah, that's uh, that was pretty crazy. When I first saw the that he was going to be able to play, I'm like, wow, they're really hurting. And then literally, like, I woke up the next morning and it's like Kyrie is in COVID protocol. I'm like, <laughs> that's fucking funny. That is funny. All right, guys. Uh, I think that's it for our penalty boxes. Since Kev's away, there won't be a fourth one. I know everybody's so super sad about that, but it is what it is. I'm most sad that now we're about to get into the scores and we didn't have a chance to catch up. No, definitely. I mean, I'm pretty excited getting the scores. I bet you are. Well, why don't you tell us about them, Pete? Well, we'll start with today's episode. Two challenges today. First, a first chance at taking Jesse down off that leaderboard. How many threes did Curry need to break the record on the game that he did? Jesse said one. I said it was more. It was actually two. Happy days. Plus one for Peter. Minus one for Jesse. Yeah. Second challenge. I said that Adam Lowry and uh, David Lowry. Dave Lowry, yeah. Uh, we're the first father-son coach combo in the NHL. I was wrong. Yeah. Josh was right. It happened in 92. I forget who it was. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Kevin Deneen and Bill Deneen, bud. There you go. It's almost like you looked it up and you still have the webpage. Uh, yep. I got two webpages, actually. One, <laughs> one wiki for uh, Kevin and one wiki for Bill. <laughs> so... That brings uh, Josh up one and Peter down one. So Peter was even for the day. Jesse was minus one and Josh was plus one. Basically, that means that I'm the winner of today. And that means that last last goal wins, right? So uh, Yeah, you're right. It counts for um, 10 That's instead it? of just one. Come on. Last <laughs> goal wins, man. I got the last point. I win. We'll give you a plus two on it for freak sakes. Oh, wow. The big, du- the big W goes to me. You're a Scrooge. I was giving them plus 10 because it still didn't change anything. Yeah. <laughs> but last goal wins, boys. I, I got I, this. I don't care. It, <laughs> That's all it's about. It's so, where you end up. The unfortunate reality. Jesse finishes the season on top at plus 17. Yeah. Boom. Peter, Peter finishes second at plus 11, which just to throw in there, is six points less. And Jesse picked up seven points on me in a washer toss tournament. Just throwing that out there. Boo! <laughs> but it is what it Someone's is. A little one fair and square. More excuses. That's I'm all it just, is. I'm just saying. I'm just saying facts. That's all I'm saying. You want it fair and square. Someone's got to up their washer game. Josh brings up third in. Uh, at least in our regular hosts at minus nine. And Kev brings up the basement at a lowly minus 19. We're hoping this was a learning year for Kev and he's <laughs> going to bring the heat next season. So we're not that hopeful. <laughs> I mean, not, really, we're, we're hopeful these win. days. <laughs> <laughs> and so just to throw it out there, our other two main fill-in guests Graham and DeLine. Graham finished the season at minus three. 
and Delion at minus seven, both in very limited appearances. Just to refresh everybody's memory, uh, at the beginning of the season, we had bet on on these points, and so the winner would get a dinner on the rest of us, as well as a case of beer to drink with all of us. <laughs> so it's <laughs> like the losers aren't really losing out. We still get to drink beer. Andy. Uh, Andy, we just got to pay for uh, for the winner's winner's meal. So we will eventually get to that. Of course, Peter is in another province right now, so we won't be able to uh, finish this um, celebration uh, for Jesse off. Until... That's the thing is, I got a long time to celebrate. Until yeah, well, you do, yeah. So it'll be like mid-March, likely, uh, if he gets his way anyway, uh, for, for being back in Ontario. And uh, Jesse has chosen a local Kitchener place uh, called the Lancaster Smokehouse, which has got some great fucking Southern uh, barbecue food. And it's fucking great. I can't wait to go. And I probably won't be able to wait until March. So I'm probably going to go without you guys just to get some good fucking Southern barbecue. (laughs) Well, as the victor, I feel great. And like you said, you guys win because you... Hey, this is yeah, called a victory I, I, did speech. Did you ask? I don't remember. This asking. is this is a victory speech. I get this moment. <laughs> and like you said, you guys are winners too. You get to drink beer and have food, but this pride will last until next year. And I will definitely recall this constantly. We know that. <laughs> We're rejigging the point scoring for Washington's next. Yeah, hundred percent. For sure. Actually, one thing I do want to say about um, I went through everything and and made up a little uh, season one summary. And throughout the entire season, there was only one repeat MVP. Do you guys know who that was? I do because I checked your homework, so I'm not going to answer. I have no idea. I'll do you know what? I'll say Shoei. That would be a good guess, but we somehow stayed away from him getting it more than once. The only person that uh, I have figured out, and Pete, I don't know if you actually looked at my homework and figured it out, but no, I just read your sheet. Uh, <laughs> so I, the one I went through was uh, I found uh, Kevin Durant had won twice, he got weekly MVP twice. And that was it, and I would have thought for sure Shohei, but he only got her once. Yeah. Another guy who I would have thought just because of Homer is uh, Vladdy Jr. I figured we would have given that it was to the him. other one I was going to guess, but he only got it once as well. So everybody yeah. got it once. So. I thought Curry was going to be on there too, but yeah. only once. There was a couple random people too. And I'm like, who the fuck is that? And <laughs> I had to go back and look at him. Like, so Gavin Weir, uh, he was the young kid uh, in the Little League World Series that lit it up. He fucking pitched the whole <laughs> World Series. There was yeah. a, uh, a female goalie who was the first uh, female ever, uh, female goalie ever drafted into the OHL. Uh, again, these are names. I was like, who the fuck? Did the beer that? mile guy make our MVP too? I think he did. No, he wasn't on the list. He was, he was going to use other stuff. Yeah. He was just in, a, in another sports, uh, segment. Hmm. Hmm. Probably should have been MVP. Though. Yeah. He probably <laughs> should have been. But... So anyway, KD was the only guy with the two MVP performances this year is for us. Well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, that's good. We are very diverse with our MVP selection. That's right. That's right. And although there was only a couple teams that got it, and they both happened to be from fucking Buffalo. (laughs) (laughs) Our first MVP. Yeah, the Buffalo Sabres got uh, 
got MVP for winning their first game. And then uh, the Buffalo Bills got MVP for shutting out opponents, I believe, in back-to-back games. Yeah, when their hot streak started at the yeah. end of the year and then they went to shit. Anyway, it's time on the episode where we ask each other, how was your drink? So, Pete, start us up. How was your drink on season finale day? Yeah, my final drink of the season. My Kitty Vitty Mummers Brew Cream Ale. The official brew of the Mummers Festival. I hope all our listeners have Googled what that was as this episode went on. They probably didn't. They probably didn't, no. But I hope they did. But it was good. It was a solid cream ale. I don't know if I'll be drinking uh, much more of these. Cream ale is not really my thing, but it was not bad. More of an IPA kind of guy. But uh, yeah, can't complain. Jesse, how was your eggnog? Eggnog was good as usual. Been having it a bunch already this week. And I ran out tonight. But I had two large glasses, which were very good. Havana Club and Yeho Seven Year Reserve. Very, very good. And the eggnog was just whatever. It wasn't it was store bought nothing special there, but it was uh it was good. I'm probably gonna go get some more this week. I love drinking that shit. Yosh, how was your beer? Well, before we get to my beer, I uh, I also had a few eggnogs this week, Chess, and it's that time of year. Uh, I had the pre-mixed stuff, so it just came straight out of the bottle. You could just drink it right out of there instead of having to mix it. So I just throw that in the fridge and chug a lug right down the hatch. Don't even, like I said, don't need to mix it with eggnog. Although I do enjoy grabbing the old straight eggnog and a nice large helping of Captain Spiced. And mixing that up, but uh, but the pre-mix stuff I has uh, isn't too shabby, so you, you should try that if you haven't. Mm. But on to my beer, Flying Monkey, uh, fucking great as per usual with Flying Monkeys. I remember going to like a, I think it was a rib fest in Waterloo, and they had a bunch of craft breweries there, and that was the first time I tried Flying Monkeys, and it was fucking great. I got a little sticker, and every time I fucking ever since then I've been. Real, real excited and, and always uh, enjoy the Flying Monkeys. So this one was Killer Cupcake Panda. It's an 8.3% double IPA. It was uh, really tasty. Really enjoyed it. Bunch of fucking crazy pandas on the uh, on the can, as well as some crazy cupcakes, which you know alludes to the name Killer Cupcake Panda. It was tasty. I really enjoyed it. Gonna get it again. Um, can't wait now that we're uh, going to be going into a new season. I can get some Sparkle Puff again, which was another one from uh, Flying Monkey. And that one is a, that's a hefty one. You guys are all going to be bitches when I drink that shit. <laughs> it's got a lot of booze in it. But anyway, Flying Monkeys, Killer Cupcake Panda, real good. Enjoyed it. Can't wait to have it again. And that's pretty well going to do it for episode 47, season one, boys. How do you feel? I feel really good. <laughs> <laughs> I feel terrible. No, I'm just kidding. It was a good season. We're just getting started here. Season one went pretty well, I think. We're thankful for all our loyal listeners out there. Subscribe, download, like, whatever. And uh, look forward to a bit of a change in format in season two. Yeah, I agree, Pete. I think it was a good season. Um, 
you know, some good changes I think coming to uh, make us a little bit more interesting and a little less like uh, sports center, which is uh, what we want. And hopefully uh, people will get to listen to a little bit more of our opinions uh, as opposed to just hearing a bunch of numbers. Uh, so we're looking forward to that. So for everyone here, points of penalties, Peter, Jesse, our healthy scratch, Kevin and myself, Josh, We'd like to thank everyone for listening to uh, all 47 episodes. And if you haven't listened to 47, get the fuck back there and start listening. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, please subscribe wherever you get your pods. Give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Points Penalties. And for the last time this season, stay, stay out, out of the, the penalty, penalty box. box. And Jesse's not winning again next year.